This week, Pop Pickers, we're celebrating 60 years of the 911 with our favourite cars from each decade. Brought to you by NineWorks.co.uk, the fastest growing online Porsche community, supported by the NineWorks Marketplace. NineWorks Radio is your dedicated Porsche and car podcast, hosted by Lee Sibley, Andy Brooks, and Max Newman. NineWorks Radio is carefully produced with special input from experts around the industry and powered by our valued members of the NineWorks Driven Not Hidden Collective. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Nineworks Radio. My name is Lee Sibley. I'm joined by Mr. Andy Brooks. Hello, Mr. Andy Brooks here. <laughs> and Mr. Max Newman. Good morning. We Fantastic. So today we are celebrating 60 years of Porsche 911. I think that's a car that collectively, certainly to us three, means quite a lot to us and, and most likely will do so for you guys listening at home as well, of course. Um, yeah, I don't know. Earliest 911 memory chaps. What, what's your first uh, first occurrence with a car? I think it is in the street that I lived in in the northeast um, when I moved from Leeds when I was five, I think, or four. Uh, there were two 911s in the street that, that we moved into. There was a bookie called Jeff. And he had a black 3-2 Carrera. Never trust um, a bookie. I was going to say, yeah, the house always wins, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and there was another guy who I think was a property guy called George Smith. And he had a roller and various other bits. But he also had a he had a Martini 930 Turbo, um, which could potentially have been. I've talked about this with um, Paul Pressland. His Martini came from the Northeast. So we did wonder if it might have been George Smith's car. But yeah, so those two guys. So in my formative years, uh, that was some pretty influential 911 action. Absolutely. Epic. Epic. Andy? Uh, Mine, I think I've documented this before on the podcast, but it was a a red. I'm not sure if it was a turbo or a Let's say it's a turbo. I remember having the big wing on the back and um, seeing that outside my local shop as I was about to go in for my first day doing paper rounds. So I'd have been 13, maybe 12, 13. And uh, yeah, it shot up the road. And yeah, that's forever stayed in my conscience and nagged me for all these years until I finally got around to it. <laughs> yeah. And your first purchase was a guard's red 911. It was by, yeah. by yeah, not by design, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 How about you? Good. Very good. Um, yeah, likewise, Andy, as we, we'd said on an, on an early episode of, uh, of the podcast. So uh, my dad's friend had a 964 Cabriolet. And uh, oh, yes, he took me out one. for a drive, and I, and I was scared of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, that frightening engine in the back. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. It was just, it was just bizarre. It was a bizarre concept, really, hearing that from behind. And um, yeah, like fear kind of eventually turned into into passion, really. So it's funny because I, I think, like, um, it's it's fair to say, like, the nine eleven for me is a little bit more than a car. So like it, it in it reaching its 60th birthday, like I'm, I'm, I feel chuffed for it. It's an inanimate object, but like, I, I feel chuffed like a, a, a nine eleven has given me in my life so much. It's given me a job. It's given me friends. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's helped me see a lot of the world and, and a lot of things that I, I wouldn't have done beforehand. And it's all through this kind of conduit of a, 
of a sports car with the engine in the wrong place really so it's um yeah big big part of my life and so i'm, I'm quite chuffed to celebrate its its longevity really if it uh, if it goes under i'm buggered <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh luckily there's 60 years of it still about that's not yeah, going to disappear yeah and i've always <laughs> said i love those tycans as well so i'm just yeah. uh yeah <laughs> getting that next step ready i love them <laughs> That is a good uh, point, though, Lee. You know, as as a, I know we're a broad church when it comes to the mark, but you know, things do tend to go back to the nine eleven ultimately, don't they? And that is kind of why we're sitting here in slightly different parts of the country, looking at each other on Zoom, talking about them. You know, yeah, really, absolutely. it is really about the nine eleven. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. You know, and and um, you know, flying around the planet to go and and look at cars in in other land masses, all all through a passion for these cars um and you know the, the big pull of it is the community behind them that's that's yeah. completely central you know if if there are a load of wallets what do they say you go for the cars stay for the friends oh i like it andy yeah. i like it exactly that well yeah ex exactly that in a nutshell to be honest delivered with aplombs there and um yes yeah, so it's, it's it's fantastic really to be able to celebrate yeah. that there was a great celebration of early 9-11s at the weekend i don't know if you saw any of the footage or were there i don't think either of you were but um the goodwood um fall ford water trophy which was uh, just yeah. an amazing spectacle i don't know if you either of you saw any of it i saw the qualifying I, I saw the practice qualifying bit that we were all watching and talking yeah. about it on the chat on friday on but friday. i was in the race that was fantastic the race was just amazing as well just uh, I, yeah how can that car what well, they are 60 years old most of those cars aren't they because they yeah. are the the first you know from 60 64 65 um yeah, yeah just absolutely hammering it around i don't think any of them broke other than being smashed up and <laughs> it was just fantastic so yeah really enjoyed watching that what a great great thing to watch was yeah. there two races? Because I need to go back and watch it. Or was it just one? No, just the one on the Saturday. The one on the Saturday. Okay, I'll yeah. go back and watch that on the YouTube. Yeah, yeah, well worth a look. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. What, um, what have you gents been up to then before we dive into our uh, 60 Yara celebrations of the 9 Alpha? Oh, that was my weekend, was just watching that. I haven't done anything else car-wise. I was trying not to melt otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did a bit of porsching yesterday. Well, I did a bit of porsching on... Before that, I drove the McCann to Leeds and back, back where I bought it from. Not that I went to Porsche Centre Leeds, but I did drive it to Leeds and back. But I can't Sunday, believe you didn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I I went to other birthplaces. I went to the house that I was born in, amongst yeah. other things, and saw a Bugatti Veyron being used as a normal car in the street, parallel parked in Leeds <laughs> City Centre. That was pretty cool. Outrageous. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. it really was. It really was. Literally parallel parked in between two normal cars. I'm glad I didn't have to park my car in front or behind it. Imagine <laughs> stress of not, of not touch parking of Aaron. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Imagine. Yeah. But then on, on Sunday, uh, after my spin class, I went to meet a couple of mates, Hugh, actually, Hugh and oh, his yes. SC and his Casablanca beige metallic SC and my friend Duncan, um, who was in his, well, actually it's his wife's, um, three, two Carrera, a black three, two Carrera, which is a really lovely car. They've had it for quite a few years, but he's turned it into a rally car. Um, he did ask her and she sort of said, yes, um, <laughs> he's turned it into a, it, it, yeah, he's turned it into a tarmac rally car and it looks pretty cool. Actually, uh, they're it off is. to, um, 
they're off to a one day um closed road rally actually up on it's called the three shires it's up near lebury so now that they've changed the rules for england so you can do closed road racing actually on the public road oh um, really what's that are, then they are, they are doing that you know so f- for years so the reason we have to race on the isle of man and build things like brooklands and that sort of thing yeah because you're not allowed to do motorsport on the open road yes yeah, um but they did change you had to call it a treasure hunt didn't you slightly so you can do uh closed roads rallying Oh, okay. uh, so wow. there's one there's one based in Lebri and they're supposed to you know they're they're, they're they're trying to build that circuit not build that circuit they're trying to create a circuit on the Isle of Wight aren't they a bit like the Isle of Man TT mm. um on some closed roads so um oh, he, interesting he does one up in Blackpool where they hammer along the seafront and ran ran and about there and he's doing this one up in the yeah the three shires it's called based out of Ledbury for, for the benefit of the listener I can see Andy's brain ticking here and i know what <laughs> i know what you're thinking andy so we'd like to make an exclusive announcement that next year we'll be doing a nine works road <laughs> rally of some description uh, <laughs> it's a great it's a great show i can literally see like the moment of enlightenment andy in your eyes like, ah, <laughs> sounds wonderful mind you i don't i don't want you butchering your beautiful sc and turning it into no, a no, rally car though no, that's don't do happening. that I was, I, I was a bit worried about that with Duncan actually turning his in his you know his be- what was a really beautiful uh three two road car and putting yeah. a cage in it and hacking it about and turning it into a racing car but actually to be fair to him he hasn't completely re- ruined it so far it looks really quite cool yeah very nice. Banging. nice yeah absolutely banging Max love it we'd uh we had our first ever nine works masterclass at the weekend just gone so it was a yeah detailing... I how this went I would love to have been there but couldn't make it unfortunately yeah you 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 would have you would have loved it andy in in fairness to you yeah it was as detailing masterclass uh, with our friends maz and roger at garage therapy so we had i think it was around 15 porsches in the end descend on uh on south essex to uh to the gt premises which was awesome um obviously it's blazing sunshine so it's perfect yeah, what weather for it, it. And um, do you know apart what? From, apart from washing cars, not the best. Well, yeah, this is it. But like, um, Maz and Roger put a, a gazebo up, oh, and um, basically we were out of the sun, which was obviously good, good for the car and us yeah. as well as watching. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like Maz and, and Roger put on some food for us as well, which was really good. Some good coffee, awesome variety of cars there. I have to say, people travelling a fair distance as well, uh, like Neil Waters, for example, came down from Burton on Trent, essentially. Oh, I was there yesterday. Down, down to Essex. Yeah, so you know That's how bloody far miles away, away from, yeah. from yeah from our neck of the woods at least. So he he came down and uh, and thanks Neil by the way for letting us drive your nine eight seven Boxster. That was that was real good fun. Uh, as a quick aside, but yeah, so we had we had great variety of cars there, like quite literally all manner of Porsches. And then uh, then we got down to business. So Maz and Roger led a really good class. There was some classroom based learning to begin with. Didn't go on for too long, which is good. And then uh, then we dived into some field work as we called it. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, Jeremy, we used Jeremy Leach's Carrera T, Litchfield, uh, Fettled, as the demo car. And, and Maz was showing us not just, but it's really that one of the of, guys that went away to the trip. To, to the Norway trip. Norway that's trip, it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it was, yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of do's and don'ts in there. Um, that mainly kind of, yeah, technique driven, how to use different products, which was fantastic. Um, and, yeah, I, I think what was what was really good is because we, we'd not really done anything like that before through like Nine Works. 
everyone was there to learn. It was a, it was a social as well, and everyone was chatting yeah. away. And it was the the usual kind of warm energy that so you associate with Nineworks event. But yeah, people were there to learn. And as I said, Maz and, and Roger really kind of delivered on that. So big, big, big thanks to them. I think going off the success of that, we're going to do a few more kind of going into ah. certainly next year. I don't know if we can squeeze one in before the end of this year because we've got a lot going on. But um, yeah, really, really good. So it was nice to see there was appetite for that. Excellent. Yeah. Cool. I'll be at the next one. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. All right, then. So shall we dive into 60 years of 9-11, gents? Yes. So how we're going to do this, we're going to split this down into the six decades, 63 to 72, 73 to 82, et cetera, et cetera. Um, for each of those six decades that uh, create the 60 years of 9-11, we have each decided to choose our car of the decade, our color of the decade. There's um, a nod to our icon of the decade as well, and as well as like a, a historical context to look at how the 9-11 has evolved over those over those six decades we've mentioned individually our first interaction with the 9-11 i've mentioned kind of what a 9-11 means to me max i'd like to know what does 9-11 mean to you well it's the love of a lifetime for me i think <laughs> um, mandy's just fallen over behind you by the way <laughs> <laughs> well you know she's been the love of my last seven years uh, you know, I met her when I was 40, but, you know, the 9-11's been a constant. Um, you know, I guess it was probably as well as those cars being, you know, present in the street where I was growing up. My dad's a car guy, you know, I've talked about this before and I've written about it in the mag. He's quite influential in the cars that I'm into. And he's a car guy. He's a Porsche guy. Um, and he was definitely, he would have brought my attention to it and probably brought me matchbox cars and that sort of thing. And it sparked, um, you know, sparked such a love that I remember when I first started to look uh, closely at buying a car, I was quite worried in case I didn't like it, you know, because you finally come to a car like a 911 and it is so idiosyncratic and unusual compared to normal cars, that there's a fair chance that maybe you won't like the way it drives. And I was a little bit worried about it as I kind of finally came to approach the car. So it was a great relief. But, um, you know, at that point in my mid thirties that, you know, 30 years of love wasn't going to go out the window at the first drive. Um, so, you know, it was a, it was a dream that came, a became a reality. And then as, as you said earlier on the, uh, thanks to the positive power of social media, Instagram in particular, it then became a, you know, a, 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 a vehicle for, for, you know, a great deal of social and friendship and driving and, fun and photography and, and and that sort of thing and that's really that's really come on um probably just in the last five or six years uh for me i'd say and that's really been quite special it really has spot on max absolutely spot on and and andy how about for you uh my dad wasn't into cars at all so i definitely didn't get that direction from him um, he was driving Austin A40s and then Allegro's. So I, I don't know what, um, I think maybe a, a lot of kids that have got dyslexia really get into cars. And I think that sort of transfers across into, um, into, you know, the groups that we sort of roll in. We're all a little, a little bit, um, on the spectrum, us car guys. So I think that's, that's what got <laughs> me into cars was, you know, playing with cars as a kid was something you did when you were with that type of kid um what's the 9-11 for me that is it's the everyday 
super everyday sorry the every man supercar isn't it you know there's all of the the other supercars and they're sort of kind of unreachable untouchable um where the the porsche 911 is is possible and that gives so many people the opportunity and the dream uh, allows them to have the dream to have one um and like a lot of people i'm yeah i, I got into i was nearly 50 before i got one so um yeah the everyday every man supercar is is what it means to me spot on absolutely spot on it's lovely it's lovely to hear how that car has influenced certainly us in so many ways we'd love from people listening at home we'd love to hear what 911 means to you to be honest so like once this episode goes up like feel free to comment on our social media channels because yeah we'd, we'd love to hear hear any anecdotes that you might be willing to share to uh to understand what the car means to you uh so yeah we shall dive right into the first decade then of the 911's existence although when we think of the early 911 and certainly in terms of how it looks you might think well not a lot has changed but actually there's a hell of a lot that went on in those first 10 years the lineup Originally, it was just the two-litre 911 in 130 brake horsepower form. Over the following 10 years, the lineup would change dramatically. It would expand to have three versions, the 911T, the 911E, and the 911S. There was also, for 1968 only, the 911L, which stood for Lux, and that was a US car. Um, as well as that uh, expansion of the model lineup, the engines got bigger and more powerful from 1930, uh, from, from 130 horsepower uh, at its inception, right up to 210 horsepower by 1972, uh, from two litres in capacity up to 2.7 as well. So quite an increase. Uh, there was a swap from uh, of carbs from Solex to Weber, and then, of course, the use of MFI came in. Different body styles as well. When the 911 was launched, it was coupe only. The Targa would follow in 1967. And then there are a lot of changes that you might not notice straight away. For example, the Fuchs wheels went up in width from 5.5 inches to 7. Um, aerodynamic aids came onto the 911. The front lip, uh, there's a very delicate front lip if you look on the, that was debuted on the 911S, the 2.2. Then, of course, there's the famous Burtzel, the rear wing on the 2.7 RS that's commonly known to us uh, English folk as the ducktail. Um, internally vented disc brakes as well. That was added to the 911's repertoire in this time. And then, of course, uh, it culminated in the lightweight RS, which by the end of this decade was the homologated car to allow the 911 to go racing. So a lot a lot going on in those 10 years, yeah. although they all kind of look very similar. Uh, there's big changes along the way. Definitely, definitely. Well, what's, what's your guys' like opinion or feeling for that overall era? I think they're the prettiest cars, aren't they? You know, when you when when you look at cars of that era, you know the the safety colours, the bright work, uh, that first Fuchs wheel. They're just the most gorgeous 911s to look at. I think absolutely love them. Absolutely love them. Never driven one, so I can't speak to what they like to drive, but um, just beautiful cars. Yeah, they yeah. they used to be for me. They used to be the 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 top one that i would pick is like the most beautiful but they're not anymore for, for some reason I, d I don't know if they 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 i don't know i don't know just yeah not 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 hitting it hitting the mark for me anymore for What's some taking reason over now and is it is it the sc uh I, i've always liked impact bumpers but i they yeah, i have grown over the years i've grown to like impact bumpers much more um i don't know if it's because of the amount of stuff that's been backdated that's maybe taken the shine off for me 
So, and yeah, it's it's always the case when you look at one, you're like, oh, is, is it real? Um, so yeah, I'm yeah, it's a little bit of shine has taken off the early cars for me because of that. I feel I, I do have to agree with that to an extent, Andy. I feel like um, I I can admire them, and I think they are just eminently beautiful. Yeah, absolutely stunning cars, but I wouldn't own one. And and I I feel like where the certainly where the values are. I wouldn't use it as much. And for me, yeah. using the car as a part is central to my ownership experience. And um, even like an impact bumper, I feel like that would be, it's just a lot easier and a lot more usable. You can jump in it, whether it's the, the long bonnet, is, it's an event, but possibly kind of too much. I, I wouldn't say, you know, jump from here and do a three-hour drive to Essex in a long bonnet car. That would I'd have to endure that. I wouldn't necessarily enjoy it. Enjoy it, yeah, yeah. Whereas in even an impact bumper car, I feel like yeah, I don't know. That's kind of doable. What I will say is, so we did a um, we had some Porsche folk from uh, from the collective join us at Heritage Parts Centre recently. They had a VW and Porsche night, which was yeah. awesome. And um, I tipped up a few hours prior, and uh, following me on I think it's the A twenty seven along the coast past Shoreham, there was a stunning uh, long bonnet car pre-impact bumper car and he was right behind me and uh i was i was doing dead on 70 officer and uh this long bonnet car was sticking to us and, and that a27 it's quite roller coaster you know like big up down sweeps left right whatever and uh and it, this car was pedaling absolutely yeah. pedaling and i was fully appreciative of the fact that the driver who i think was younger than i was clearly doing some serious pedaling to maintain pace in that car which is absolutely i think part of the fun but i'm not sure i would want to do that for a long time yeah. Yeah. you know yeah the so, other thing i've always really liked just building on the point i made that i really like about those cars is the targa of that era yeah okay with the, with the soft window uh no it's that no, it's, later yeah. than that but we're so glass window yeah. so you know uh 2.2 essay but a targa yeah. the silver roll hoop and the gold script uh, again that's a car that i've always thought was absolutely really a lovely thing yeah lovely yeah. thing definitely yeah, definitely wouldn't it be great i think like for me if i was to go kind of complete utopia i'd i would have a long bonnet car somewhere in my house where i could look at it because i i think in <laughs> yeah, terms of, yeah, yeah you know in in terms of like it's it's looks and aesthetics I think is unbeatable really it's quintessential porsche and and it yeah. makes me cringe when porsche marketing puts a new 911 next to one of those early ones and uh you know thanks to the wonders of photoshop they either enlarge the 901 or they will shrink the 991 or 992 and obviously proportionally they're completely different yeah, yeah. um and it makes you realize how big the the new 911s have yeah. got but just as kind of quintessential 911 genesis that it's it's an art form i think to look at and i'd be very happy to look at it and not drive it actually yeah yeah agreed uh, i'd certainly have it in my uh, man cave setup i'd have it in like you know next to the bar or next to the mezzanine yes uh, so um you know it, it'd be something that i could look at but i'd definitely be opening those doors and i'd be swinging it out driving it that, that, yeah yeah on a sunday morning yesterday morning i'd have used it then for sure yeah yeah, it's a good chat. I also wonder kind of where values of those will go. Um, they've obviously, they've been so buoyant for such a long time. Oh, God, yeah. But And I've mentioned this on the podcast before with like the, the Elvis Presley model, where, at, you know, at auctions, Elvis Presley memorabilia smashed records year after year. And then in the last sort of five to 10 years has tailed off. And that's where the enthusiasts or fans of Elvis have passed on. 
Yeah. And I wonder, you know, where we'll be. Will a will a twenty something year old person walking around currently? Would they own a, an early nine eleven one day? Would they aspire to own it? Is the crucial mm. bit. I'm, I think that, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think that's happened already with three five six values, isn't it? I think uh, mm. you know the the top line of three five six is are definitely reducing in value. I'd say. Yeah, that is the fe- the feeling that I get. I don't I don't can't substantiate that with actual um, hard facts, but that's yeah. what my feeling is. Yeah, I think that that'll happen with along those stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, grand. Yeah. Well, look, we could move next door to one another and just have a nine eleven sitting on the land between us or something, and we can just <laughs> we can all admire Max can come and drive it whenever he feels like because <laughs> we won't <laughs> be right. interested. That sounds like a good deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, what do you gents think of of that first era of nine eleven? What springs to mind when you think of the early nine eleven? First one that sprang to mind. I mean, uh, he set us this challenge, and I was thinking about it yesterday. I thought I'll try not to overthink it. I'll try to think about um, you know cars that spring to mind that have been you know if we're looking at favourite cars of periods, things that I've been really into o- over the years, rather than you know sitting there with a really analytical head on and. Uh, for a long time, the car that's really sparked my imagination for this period, again, a lot of this stuff is based on stuff that I've read, um, is the 2.2S. That seems to me um, like a really, really special car, given that it's that it's pre-RS. It's really yeah. quite a hot car. And at the time that it was launched, it was the very top of the 911 range. Um and I've read things about it over the years, people saying that it's in some ways a more exciting car than the 2.4S that followed it. Mm-hmm. Of course, the 2.4S had the 27RS sat over it, so that was overshadowed. Uh, but the 2.2, and you can probably speak to this, Lee, because you'll have driven it, is a really zingy, exciting um, engine, and it's quite a fast car. Yeah. And it's beautiful yeah. as well. So I've always thought, God, that's a car that I would really like to experience, maybe even to own. Yeah, yeah, you're you, you bang on. To be fair, I think people it, within that um, umbrella of 911s, early 911s, the the 2.4 is the one that perhaps people look to because it's the ultimate uh, iterational version of the 911s. Mm. But yeah, and and that that word Max is bang on zingy. I think that the, the 2.2s is a lot more zingy. It's it's basically really if you if you in in layman's terms, it's the first GT3 in a way. That's kind of the the nature of that car you would if you were to translate that into a modern day car it would it would be a gt3 um and with the 2.2 you do have to really rev that engine and that's super fun whereas the 2.4 there's a lot more kind of lower down torque so it's easier to kind of carry that carry that speed in this in the same way again if for like a modern interpretation where you'd look at the 997 rs 3.8 versus the four liter that's kind of how I look at the okay. 2.2 yeah, S yeah, versus yeah. 2.4 S, you know, similar. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the two the 2.2 S is is a fantastic car, and that is that is the McQueen car as well. So some added yes. cachet there. Yeah, yeah. Is it a dog leg box on those? Oh, that's a great question. Well, dog leg came in in seventy two, I think. So it will be a dog leg. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I've does never that, driven a that, car with a dog does, leg box. Right, quite, okay. So like I was going to say, does that change? Did you, are you 2.4 after all? Or? No, 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 no. I'm curious. I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, so it's a lovely choice for, for car of the decade. Uh, Andy, what are you saying? That's interesting you're saying that, Matt, because I, I was going through you know, sort of my memories of what cars I've been in or driven, and um, it was my old boss's 2.4S um, that he did a, I think he he was given it by his wife for his 
60th birthday, I think. Um, it was it needed work, so it had a, an engine rebuild and a gearbox rebuild. Uh, but once he'd had all that done, and I went out for a, a drive with him. This was many years ago, and I just loved all the little old details that were there. Um, so yeah, that was a fantastic car to to sort of experience. But I've got to go back to that green thing that both Lee and I have driven, the ST. God, yeah, yeah, you can't beat that that experience, yeah. and you can't beat that car really it's just yeah absolute little monster so yeah my my pick will be the st yeah uh, which is a 71 i think it's 71 or 72 st yeah yeah dependent on it yeah ex- exactly that to be fair and, and, and there were different versions of the st so t- to remind people listening at home st uh you could have it in 2.3 or later 2.5 liter uh, form it was a race car built according to the sports purpose manual so each car was specifically built for the purpose of sporting competition or a purpose of sporting competition yeah. and that's why they're also varied and that's also why 50 years later uh, tracing the history of of each individual cars and where they ended up is quite yeah, it's quite difficult, difficult to do yeah. you know you'll remember andy i think it was, it was over a year ago now we interviewed um thomas from norway yes yeah. uh he uh what was it the porsche what did we call him we we coined him i think it was the porsche finder or something it porsche hunter porsche the hunter, porsche hunter. Yeah. that's the has one he, has that moniker stuck uh well it, not with me <laughs> <laughs> obviously no 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 i meant yeah, with right. his um compadres yeah. in in norway <laughs> yeah no yeah no he didn't he didn't flash a porsche hunter business card with me when i when i saw him back in june but uh yeah i mean you know thomas scogley isn't it that's that's his, his full name definitely go back and have a listen to that if, if you've not yet heard it by the way and uh yeah i mean he he's found two sts i think in norway and the last one he found had morphed into uh like a 934 or 93 six oh, yeah 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 uh, like body and again it's just where yeah, race cars as, as as the regulations got updated you needed to kind of keep up and so as we know the 911 is very uh dexterous in terms of morphing into different cars or different versions and and, and it did that that st just became different cars as, as time oh, marched yeah, well, on how many so, times it changed yeah. well, i think part of the challenge with the st wasn't it as, uh, as i think thomas says uh in that part we chatted about it is that you you didn't you, you sort of didn't buy an ST. You sort of bought an 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 S and the kit of parts. That's it. Yeah. Um, which made it essentially an ST. And um, and there were some cars that were that came out of the factory fresh with all those ST bits on it. So they now the factory built STs. But there were other cars that people bought an S and then they went back and they bought the the bits to turn it into an ST because they, they wanted to go racing and they're the non-factory built STs. So yeah. there's a, there's a hierarchy and there's a great challenge in trying to understand, you know, exactly what's what. And that's, that's part of what Thomas does. It's part of the magic of those cars as well. Yeah. Isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you know, yeah. 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 Unless you spend many hours dedicated to those cars as Thomas does, I suppose you'd never really know. Yeah. So, so what's um, yours, Lee? I'm intrigued. You've obviously uh, driven lots and experienced lots more than we have. Yeah, well, I I really flirted with the ST, Andy, to be honest. And, and I think yeah. in terms of like the 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 ultimate car, it's for that era is definitely up there. As is the 911R, it has to be said from from '67 because as a, a an exercise in what that 911 could be, it was Ferdinand Piëch that wanted a car as a 911 as lightweight as possible so 800 kilos ludicrous the lightest ever 911 
um and uh 210 horsepower that car had which the the 2.7 rs would eventually get i think that was a real lesson in terms of trajectory of the 911 however there were so few made and it wasn't a production car so i shied away and i've kind of gone for the obvious choice actually which is the 2.7 rs now i know certainly in the uk it's known as a 73 rs um it's yeah. 73 refers to the model year so for the benefit of people listening at home, if you're unaware, uh, in the automotive industry, the kind of car year runs from August, September through to the following July. So a 73 RS uh, could be made in late 72. And that's certainly what Porsche, to celebrate 50 years of RS, they did that last year in 22 to celebrate that. And uh, yeah, I've just gone for 2.7 RS really because it's the, it's the pinnacle of um, the road going long bonnet 911 and also the 911 that or the model that was homologated to allow the 911 to go racing as we all know that's such an important um, aspect of the 911's history yeah it's so it's kind of it's the halo 911 really isn't it i think the 27 yeah. rs it, it is I think, it, ultimately ex, ex, yes and you know many collectors uh, you know to be I don't know if you if you consider yourself a serious collector you need a 2.7 rs in your collection it's as simple as that however to go back to Andy, what Andy said, and obviously we've got a, a dear friend that had that in an ST. And, and for me, I would drive the ST every day. The 2.7 yeah. RS wouldn't get a look in because the, the ST is that phenomenal, uh, which is interesting what, that it came before, but as I say, it's yeah. different purpose. What would dull the RS for me is the amount of copies there are of, yeah, people have done re recreations of 73 rs's <laughs> yeah so yeah. You, you would be forever being asked oh is that an original is it real or is it a 3-2 yeah, carrera it yeah. Yeah, right. yeah yeah i couldn't yeah. handle that <laughs> yeah. the, the, the other thing is as well and i know we've touched on it previously on the podcast is the difference between the 2.7 rs and the three liter rs that, that followed in and in, in 74 see that bleeds through into our next decade but the the, the difference there is unbelievable and, and i think um if you drove a three litre RS and then jumped into a 2.7, you wouldn't believe it was only a year's difference between yeah. the two. You'd think, yeah. well, the 2.7 RS is quite antiquated. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, again, it is, it is a brilliant car and, and has a big piece of Porsche history. So that's, that's my car of the decade. Cool, man. All right. So that's the, that's the early um, era. We need to do um, an underrated car of that era. What are you guys saying? Well, I've always thought that the underrated car, based on my reading, is the 2.2S, you know, in the shadow of the 2.4S. Um, so, um, you know, we kind of uh, talked about that, I think, but that was the thing that came to mind when I was, um, you know, when I was thinking about this. Yeah, yeah. I, I, for me, I have to go with any 911T. Um, values, as, as Andy's pointed out, they, they kind of, they do vary quite a lot in that long yeah bonnet era and it all comes down to condition of course because you can spend a fortune putting a car from that era back to kind of a resplendent condition so uh, providing you can find a good one i think any 911t is underrated some 911t values cross over with 912 values i personally think that's ludicrous because yeah. a 912 is a fantastic car but you do find yourself wanting that six six cylinder yeah yeah definitely without a doubt so yeah, even definitely if it's only a 120 horsepower it's still yes got that noise isn't it definitely yeah definitely so yeah any any 911t for me it's a fantastic car yeah i think i'll echo both your comments i'll, I'll agree with both of you nice right. nice color in the decade oh, that's an easy one for me 
Go on. Aubergine. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, aubergine on a long hood. Oh, so good. <laughs> just deep, deep aubergine is just gorgeous. I think that really hits the mark for those cars. I think it just looks beautiful. Yeah. That's a great choice. Yeah. Yeah. There's some fantastic colors of that era. And, and that's, yeah, kind of when I think of a long hood car, maybe not straight away, but say one of the first colors I think of is an aubergine, Andy. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Max? Bahama yellow. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Nice. Love that color. Love 100%. that color. It looks great on those cars. Yeah. It, it, exactly the same. That's, that, that would be my choice as well, Bahama yellow, um, particularly like with the gold, gold badging. Yeah. I just think that's absolutely stunning. Absolutely stunning. To, so to finish off uh, our joint, and this, this is a joint decision from the three of us, our icon of the decade is Mr. Vic Elford. Uh, so Good call. The, the, the late quick Vic uh, took the 911 racing, essentially. He's, he's, uh, well, so much of the 911 success is, is down to that man. Um, he took the 911 racing, as I say, he borrowed a car from AFN, as it was uh, back in the day. It was a demo car. He won at Lydon Hill in a televised race, which was crucial because it really put the 911 on the map, certainly in the UK for, for sales. That old adage of win on Sunday, sell on Monday. Uh, he begged uh, Huska von Hanstein, who oversaw kind of Porsche Motorsport, the fledgling motorsport department back in the day, uh, to give him a 911 to go racing. This was in 1966. This is early, early, early 911, if you think the first production car was made in 64 and badge 911 by 65. Uh, so 66, he had to beg him to give him a car to go racing in the Tour de Course. Uh, he came third in the end with 911s. He was European Rally Champion in 1967. He won the two-litre British Saloon Car Championship in 1967 as well. He won the Monte Carlo Rally in 1968. So as I said earlier, competition success played such a central role in the 911's commercial success. And, and a lot of it came down to the brilliance of, of Quick Vic in a, in a 911, to be honest. So that's definitely our icon of that era. All right, then. So decade number two. So 1973 calendar year up to 1982. Andy, I know this is a, a real kind of favourite era for you, certainly with a car you own. Uh, yeah. What a, what a period of time it's got. The, the impact bumpers came out. Yeah, I, I'm fully in love with that period. <laughs> <laughs> what tell everybody you like? to be, be a bore. No, no, it's great. It's great. It's uh, like what? What is it about that era that you love then, Andy? I think really it takes me back to that sort of 1983 when I saw that red car outside the local newsagent. And uh, yeah, just that is the time. I, there was a, a long time where I didn't really like the impact bumpers because of the the amount of black bits that were on them. You know, you've got mm -hmm. the impact bit, the rubber here, there and everywhere. And there was always that sort of time in you know, in the late eighties, um, early nineties, when the, the thing to have was a color coded car and it, it's taken me a long, probably, you know, a long amount of time to get over that in the intervening years, but I just love it now. I think it's such a classic. So yeah, I love all the, the 1980s of it. Yeah. 70s, yeah, early eighties. I have to agree, Andy. I almost think of an impact bumper car now as like the quintessential 911 look, bizarrely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I think you're right. I think, given, you know, it's the, um, maybe it's partly my age, although, you know, the three of us, our age is quite different, but, you know, the, 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 the impact bumper 911 is the quintessential 911 image for me as well. It's the, you know, it's the Athena car. Um, but for a long time, not a, 
not a favorite car of mine you know if it if if you were uh you know if i mean i wasn't around Andy. you were in 1974 when the you know when the impact bumper cars came out you know driven by the u.s regulation i imagine that they're a bit jarring at first you know uh compared to the i guess yeah if you were a bit older probably you know they weren't they weren't pretty at face value compared to the cars that went before so um i imagine that they took a bit of getting used to yeah yeah definitely yeah i guess i guess we're of the right well i'm of the right age to um appreciate them as being new cars then and kind of liked them when they first came out but then yeah as i said that color coding thing kind of put them into the shadows for many years yeah i think yeah they're 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 right out there now so yeah i'm gonna what do you call it feather in the pillow bluff in the pillow bluff in the (laughs) pillow yeah impact bumper cars oh where it's at boys (laughs) (laughs) unashamed unashamed yeah so by way of a a quick overview of that era again there was significant changes really in in that decade from 73 to 82 the introduction of the g series which actually is the 1974 model year because for each year there was a new uh series yeah, it's quite complicated isn't it yeah yeah so they, they were basically annual updates and porsche to begin with uh, you started with the zero series 911 which was the very first year of production then it to, to differentiate year on year where they made minor updates you'd have a series b series c series d series etc uh, so obviously a to f was the long bonnet era g series is actually a 1974 model year car however whilst internally at porsche there was g h i j blah blah Mm. blah um we have colloquially come to know the impact bumper era as the g series or a g-bodied car yeah um so there were a lot of changes there so 1974 the 911 t e and s was ditched in favor of a new in favor of a new nomenclature so the entry-level car was now simply badge 911 the middle car 911 s and the top car 911 carrera we covered a lot of this extensively in our impact bumper special, which we covered last series. So definitely go back and have a listen. We sat down with Mark Sumter to go over that. Uh, the car was redesigned with impact bumpers designed to um, conform to US legislation where cars had to withstand impacts of up to five mile an hour, uh, basically to protect protect pedestrians. Yeah. There was a gradual increase in engine capacity over the period from 2.7 to 3 litres. Um, Porsche, there was a greater focus at Porsche on the environmental impact of the car, which is why MFI was became uniform and then um, the cars adopted Bosch Cagetronic uh, injection as well. The decade, obviously, perhaps headline at news was signaled the arrival of the Turbo. It's a car that's still very much at the pinnacle of the 911 lineup. And then at the end of this period, so 1982, the Cabriolet body style finally joined the Coupe and the Targa. And again, those three body styles are still available at Porsche today. So, gents, car of the decade. Andy, we'll go to you first. You're laughing. <laughs> oh, I just thought you were going to say, and it, it's uh, <laughs> 1978 SE. No, it's not. Uh, no, it, I think it's obvious really from me. Um, it's got to be the 74 RSR, isn't it? Ooh, I'm there. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I've won. I'm the winner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to go any further with this. I'm done. Yeah, yeah, you, you love it. I remember Le Mans Classic, every RSR, oh, you know, you were pouring over them and it's the look, it's the sound, it's everything, isn't it? My knees were hurting. <laughs> <laughs> Much knee rubbing going on. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a cracker. Fire breather of a 911. Yeah. Uh, Max, what about yourself? 
similar vein, but slightly different. My favourite, I thought for a long time, this is the best looking 911 ever. And uh, going back to Thomas, another car that kind of technically doesn't exist, we call it the 2.8 RSR. I don't think there's a better looking 911 than a 2.8 RSR. But, you know, as I understand it, 2.8 RSR, RSR isn't actually a car. It's a it's a 2.7 RS with a with a kit, uh, which turns it into the 2.8 RSR. I think they're just such a great looking car. Absolutely beautiful. For a long time, it's my favorite 911. So is that I, the, I, I had to have it here. Is that the car that was for sale at Bonhams? um over the weekend uh, not not exactly not exactly that's something a, like that that was a sort of uh quite a trick uh development of that of that car. okay um a bit extreme yeah the r was it was it r6 or r7 i can't remember which one but a bit more uh, extreme aero but fundamentally yeah. yes yeah, yeah that car in, uh, my choice for car of the decades just got to simply be 930 turbo the three liter the first turbo genesis can't think i just don't think you can beat it i love everything about that car the look the performance everything i think it still um piques my interest 50 years after it was made essentially very very cool you've uh, got to get one of those one day i honestly max i would dearly love to i just absolutely adore them it's very very cool so yeah that's that would be my car my color uh, not necessarily for a turbo but um the color of the era generally has got to be irish green <laughs> um, <laughs> there i, I want to kind of distinguish this as well so irish green debuted actually in the prior decade that we were talking about but there was a slight color change from the long hood to the impact bumper generation the early irish green it's it's a lot darker it's got a lot more guinness in it <laughs> um <laughs> by by the g body there there was a tweak to the color palette of irish green and it's it's that color of which my car is in homage to or homage it's it is that color from from the from the from the g-bodied era so i prefer that one and for me i just yeah love it absolutely love it uh max what about what about you for uh i've always had a soft spot for gemini blue um which i think the uh the 2.4 sl Earl's court motion car um was uh gemini blue a sort of bit mid blue metallic always been a big fan of that um but i did when i was thinking about it i did think oh is it is it is it is it sepia brown you know that's a pretty iconic color from the period but um i settled on gemini yeah very nice very nice i i recall it being in a long bonnet car i'm not so sure about a an impact bumper car 73 though i'm, I'm uh, okay yeah yeah it's that I'm awkward, getting 73 it? in I'm yeah getting 73 yeah, yeah. in yeah which, that's which is telling is that the stuff you know in this 73 to 82 era that you know my favorite and my color are both squeezing into the long hood right at the period. last yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Is, um, definitely got got away with it and that's that's where like we said that the model year is different to the calendar year we've been yeah. doing this we've gone off the calendar year haven't we so yeah definitely got in via the back door there <laughs> <laughs> yeah andy what about you uh well yeah so many great colors um but one that really came to mind was hugh's car is is it Casablanca Casablanca beige? Casablanca beige metallic. Yeah, I love that colour. It's so like vibrant. Yeah, um, it's pretty yeah. cool. So yeah, I picked that. But there's so many others that you know, the range of colours back then was just brilliant, wasn't it? It's bewildering, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, uh, amazing, amazing colours, like standard colours that you could pick. I, I wouldn't like to know how many colours you could pick from. It's just 
great that you could but yeah casablanca beige um i really admire uh hugh's car and i think that is so vibrant in its in its glow yeah Epic. very cool Epic. Yeah. it's really explosion of color at the time as well like, you know within within culture and society as you know kind of reflected in the palette of the the 911s of the time so yeah yeah as you said lots to choose from uh, underrated car gents from 73 to 82 i've got two um, Why not? Of course, vacillating between uh, both of which we've already mentioned. One is the three liter RS, because um, it lives in the shadow still. I think of the two seven RS. Yeah, it um, does, doesn't it? But um, you know, the more you read about it, as you say, Lee, the more you appreciate. You know, in terms of a, of, a, of a driving experience, what a superior car it is. And the other is the um, is the four speed nine thirty turbo. Um, you know, I think that's underrated, especially in in its first. You know, I you think 930 Turbo and you think Lux and almost GT and that sort of thing. But when 930 Turbo was actually launched, it was it was quite a and it wasn't an wasn't an RS, but it really was a you know it was it was quite a race car for the road. And there's some good stuff that's been written about those those early cars, and they're they're you know they've that's really piqued my interest only in the last two or three years. I would say that I've really been switched on to those cars. I actually, really like the idea of uh you know people like the idea of a birthier car i'd love a 76 930 turbo i really would oh yeah i like it max i like it nice very cool yeah my my underrated car thing i'm gonna agree with you max on in regards to the three liter rs it's um it's a superior car to the 2.7 rs in every way um but people just don't really know about it not enough people know about it so yeah three liter rs for me okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna stick at home and go uh the SC. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, under well, it really is underrated, isn't it? Because it's been, you know, it, it was the the orphan child, the uh, the one that was stuck in the out in the back garden, sort of hidden away because nobody wanted it. But yeah, it, it, it was for a while, de- yeah. definitely, Andy. You know, we, again, we covered it on the Impact Bumper episode, whereby when that SC first came out because it was uh, perceptively down on power yeah. compared to its predecessor in the Carrera 3. It was a big turnoff for people. It, it was mm. up on torque, so that's where it had Im- improved, uh, but down in, in terms of the, the pub figures that we all kind of care so much about. So it did take quite a while, I think. And actually, maybe only in the last few years have people really kind of accepted an SC. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, I yeah, think a lot cool. of um, SCs probably had a, a Carrera badge slapped on the back. Oh, without a doubt, without yeah. a doubt. There, yeah. And it was a lot of SCs that were used for forward and backdating. Yes, absolutely. So yeah. It's nice yeah. now that those cars are being turned back into SCs. Yeah, yeah. And so, showing their showing their SC nomenclature on the back. That's a big word, isn't it? Um, with pride. <laughs> yeah. Wear your badge with pride, folks. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll finish our uh, 9 Radio icon of the era, 73 to 82. We've gone for Hans Metzger. Uh, the late again Hans Metzger. It was he who designed the flat six engine that went in the back of the original 911. As among many different things he did at Porsche over his very very long career at Zuffenhausen, he also designed the 917 engine, which won Le Mans in '70 and '71. And it was that success at long distance races such as Le Mans that contributed directly to the design of the first 911 Turbo, uh, which Hans Metzger played a major role in himself. And as we all know, that turbo engine then powered Porsche onto 
ludicrous successes and dominance at Le Mans and everywhere else. So without Hans Metzger's work, we uh, we probably wouldn't be able to celebrate that today, I'd say, folks. Yeah, here, here. So we are coming at these decades thick and fast. We're moving on to the period 1983 to 1992 now. Uh, what are your thoughts of that era, gents? 959 is what springs to mind when I think of that era. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Uh, what a That's moment. funny that that didn't to me. I'm still I'm still in the impact bumper period. I guess I've stuck yeah. there. Yeah, but yeah, very 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 interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. Car Magazine, nineteen eighty seven. You know, looking at that thing, looking at the pictures. Can't really remember reading the words. Can't remember who wrote it. But I mean, what an otherworldly thing for uh, for a young car enthusiast as I was then. You know, that yeah. was um, that really does that really does. S- stick in my mind as being quite a spectacular, a seminal moment in my Porsche journey. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It was it was certainly a period of great experimentation on Porsche Platz. So the G body, as we referred to it earlier, that actually has the greatest longevity of any kind of era of nine eleven. It actually got a good fifteen years out of us from seventy four yeah. to eighty nine. So there was kind of gradual, massive, isn't it? Massive. Yeah imagine today like if if any company bought a car out and kept it in its as is for 15 years yeah i mean there wasn't any real change of look actually when you think about it was there no not really just kind of minor stuff drew a little bit but otherwise it yeah looked pretty much the same yeah it was what kind of what was cloaked within the uh the bookends of those uh bumper overriders really that mattered so, uh, for example, you know, the turbo went up for a four speed to a five speed um, in the period there. There was an additional body style with the arrival of the 911 Speedster to go alongside the Coupe, the Cab and the Targa. The 959 was released as Max Alert to Der Uber 911. And it definitely is a 911 <laughs> for anyone that's in doubt. The 911 went all wheel drive in the period as well with the 964 Carrera 4 in 1988. Uh, that was a car that adapted uh, ABS, power steering, and active aerodynamics for the first time. There was the return of the RS moniker with the 964 RS. Uh, that was right at the end of the period in 1992. Uh, but also, there was yeah, much experimentation going on at Porsche, as I said, and I kind of cover that um, very shortly. But if you think uh, the 911 had considerable success in rallying with the Paris-Dakar alongside the dominance at Le Mans, um porsche engines were going into aeroplanes as well in the period and then again yeah the 959 was released as this uber hyper sports car i think we'd call it today so lots going on however car of the decade i'm going to jump in on this first time gents if that's cool i'm I'm simply going to go with the 959 for for the reasons that really it was a car as we said before it pushed the envelope of what was possible for a super sports car and so much of that technology is still prevalent in the 911 today. When you think of the all-wheel drive, active aerodynamics, PASM, twin turbo charging, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Lots and lots and lots of stuff. Absolutely the, the car of the decade for me. Good choice. Good choice. I'd, I'd, um, I'd not kind of thought of that, about that, but as it kind of changes my view, but I'm going to stick with my original views. Um, and still thinking, I'm still thinking of that as sort of impact bumper and then early 964, um, you know, period. Nothing really from the early 964 period sort of takes my, my fancy. Um, I've driven a speedster, a 
G-body speedster. And I thought that would be my sort of pinnacle of that period. But after driving it, I wasn't so, so sure. Uh, it felt a bit heavy and not quite the machine that i thought it would be so i think i'd for that period that 83 to 92 i'd go for a late 930 turbo um i'd spec it with a a dark gray interior and then a sort of aubergine purple interior uh, sorry what? dark gray exterior yeah and then a, yeah and like as much leather as possible and make it really opulent and uh yeah an absolute cruising machine to get you across europe that's, that is that's what i'd go for in that period yeah 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 Wicked. that's my vision so the five speed 930 t-trace yeah. boiler intercooler 330 horsepower of the mac daddy really if you go yeah. for an s anyway yeah yeah good, very cool. good work in air con i'm going yeah. across europe in that oh, lovely <laughs> <laughs> yeah very cool very cool max car of the car of the era uh, I'm not going 959. I'm going, this is quite a significant era for me because I think of this as the period where I got, um, metaphorically speaking, my first new 911. So, you know, I, this is in this period, I was taking, you know, a uh, motor or auto car and motor, auto car as it became every week. And when the 964 was launched, there was so much coverage of it, you know, launch pictures, launch drives, first UK drives. Carrera 4, Carrera 2, cab, all sorts of things. You know, they really, really went for it. And I was hoovering this up. And as, you know, so as the first new generation of 911 in my lifetime, you know, I took it as my, um, you know, it was really quite an exciting time. And I loved it. I loved the 964 when it came out. So I still think about those, you know, the flag, mirror D90, early cars that were press cars that were in the magazine. And I just thought they looked amazing. So... You know, they still have a still have a special place. Lovely, Max. Lovely. And so, what, what would be your underrated car from the period eighty three to ninety two? Um, underrated car again, because not a lot of people know about it. It's maybe a little bit. Hopefully, it's not a step too far. The nine six one, the nine five nine race car. You know, I went to Le Mans in eighty seven, which was the second year that it ran, and it ran in Rothman Rothman's livery. Caught fire, unfortunately, but it is now restored by the museum and it comes to goodwood kyle's driven it a few times and when you get up close to it i think the way that the rothman's livery works over the bodywork it's just the most i think it's one of my favorite looking porsches at all of any any anything and you know it's one of those cars that a lot of people don't know about they'd see it and they don't know what it is but i just think it's mega absolutely yeah. mega yeah, I think when when you think of like the nine the nine five nine in competition, you immediately think of the dunes of the Dakar, um, and not the the tarmac at Lasarth. So yeah, that's that's a definitely underrated, I'd say. Yeah, Andy, I don't think of anything underrated. I think that's the the period now that you know everybody's concentrated on. So I don't think there's anything that is really underrated anymore. It's kind of like everybody appreciates everything that's there. So yeah, I, I'm afraid I haven't got one for that decade. Yeah, okay. Okay. I'm going to go uh, not so much a model, but more of a body style. I just love a flat nose. And uh, to me, that is that era of just complete like yeah, true, opulence, yeah. um, overindulgence, decadence, however you want to frame it. And, and I just think um, a flat nose 911 is the epitome of all of that. If you were to have a flat nose from any other period of Porsche history, 
I just don't think it works. I think it would almost be um, a smack in the face <laughs> to the <laughs> live lineage. But like it's certainly from, from that era, it kind of embodies culture at that time. And, and yeah, yeah, true, yeah, I think, yeah. think really cool. So flat nose well, for me. Yeah, that's a good show. That's a good, show, good show. I did think about that. I, I, I went to my first um, Earl's Court motor show, London motor show in this era, which was 1986. Um, and the flat nose 911 was on a was on a plinth. Can't remember if it was rotating or not. I think it probably was. Um, but yeah, I mean that's a that's a great looking car, isn't it? I still love them now. A lot of people uh, don't, but I still yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd love to own one, but again, it couldn't be my only 911 because no, again, I think no, that would agreed. be sacrilege. But if you were if you were to have a a small collection or something, I think that would work really well within that. Yeah. In in reference in that time of history. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll sign off from the period 83 to 92 with our Nine Works Radio icon of the era. And that is uh, the uh, late colours. Have we not oh, done colours? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I'll take that away. Yeah. Uh, on to colours, gents. Easy one for me. Go on. Easy one for me. As it came through the press, through the press car. Again, I was captivated by it. Um, 964RS, the press car in Rubystone Red. Absolutely. Easy. Right with you there, brother. 100%. 100%. Andy? I, I just thought that was too easy. And I'll go back to my my favourite colour of all time, which is Murano Green. Ooh, uh, yes. Yeah. 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 I just need, there needs to be more of those cars about. Yeah. It's a great shout. It's a great shout. Two strong, strong colours. Uh, we'll sign off with our icon of the period, 83 to 92. It's Petter Schutz. Again, the late Petter Schutz, unfortunately. So he was CEO of Porsche. And he, uh, as we is well known, he's credited with saving the 911 uh, with a famous incident in his office where he extended the pen of the 911's timeline off the chart and around the corner. I'm sure that line gets bigger every time the story is told, by the way. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he, he saved the 911, uh, kept it in production. He then pushed to expand it as well, which is why the 911 Cabriolet arrived uh, for 1983 calendar year. Uh, it was him as well. Again, so when Petter Schutz, he arrived from uh, elsewhere. He was nothing to do with the automotive industry, actually. So that ability to be able to be from the outside looking in, I think, really helped Porsche expand its horizons. And that is why the flat six engine ended up in aeroplanes. The Endeavour was ultimately unsuccessful, but there was there are a fair few uh, planes made with uh, Porsche flat six engines in them. That's when the 911 went rallying with the Paris-Dakar, the domination of Group C and endurance racing. I mean, it was Petter Schutz who really pushed the 959 project now. It was it was the overrunning of the project and the over budgeting of the project that possibly led to Peter Schutz's demise at Porsche. But again, under the march of time, the whole thing has appeared to be a masterstroke. So without his input, I think certainly the decade, but the history of Porsche would look very different without Peter Schutz's input. Absolutely. It's interesting, isn't it, how that it comes to light in further years. Yes. At the time, he was almost sort of vilified for it. But yeah, when you look back on it, it's actually the, the right thing that was done. It definitely. I definitely. if that was ever sort of, you know, um, the Porsche family actually admitted to that. Yeah. 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 So it's a great shout, you know. Yeah. Because yeah. he, he kind of yeah, he did exit uh, Porsche under a little bit of a kind of cloud, really, yeah. um, and, and went back to live in, in Atlanta, Georgia. So yeah, I wonder if that ever happened. Yeah. Wonder. Cool. Right. We're going to march on. So we're in the period now, 1993 to 2002. So it's the decade four of six that we're looking at on this podcast. 
early thoughts, gents, on 93 to 2002. That's an exciting period, isn't it? What, socially, personally? or <laughs> For the, the 9-11. Yeah. You know, big, big, big developments. You know, we get the 993, which is a lot of people's favourite 911 for a long time. You know, a car that I really aspired to own and absolutely loved. But then we get the big, you know, we get the big switch. You know, one of the most significant moments in 911 history going from 993 to 996. You know, this is an exciting period. You know, some some great 911s and some equally controversial 911s sit in this period. I think it's quite a cool time. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, some nut stuff going on. Yeah. So that that decade was arguably, as Max pointed out, uh, the decade of the biggest upheaval at Porsche. Really, it was the culmination of the air called 911, and then the seamless melding into water cooling with the 996. <laughs> <laughs> Utterly seamless. Uh, in the period as well, the 911 Turbo went all-wheel drive, which is again part of its uh, DNA today. The 911 also got the six-speed manual. The rear suspension was uh, developed and matured with the arrival of multi-link suspension. This is all still 993 oriented, by the way. Then, of course, there was that sign-off for the air cooling, the beginning of the water-cooled era, the start of the 911 uh, GT3, and, of course, in 1998, a 911 won Le Mans outright with the GT198. Yeah. Car of the... Car of the period, gents, 93 to 02. Let's go to Andy first. Oh, well, I'm going to fluff your pillow, Lee. Um, <laughs> there was a, an amazing video that you put out this Sunday on the GT2. Oh, have you it's seen it? Free GT2. Yeah. Um, what a car. And uh, yeah, what was it like to drive? I mean, uh, just the look of it, the those bulging arches, the, the sort of racy, but kind of still small. Um, yeah. Yeah, tell us more about that drive. Well, I mean, look, just to go off what you've said, Andy, I completely agree. It's for for a car that is thirty odd years old. It's still a car that visually takes your breath away, and like yeah. genuinely takes your breath away. And and there are in not the right many, way in the right absolutely, way. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And they're right about that car. There are not many cars on planet Earth that will do that to a car enthusiast. You know, yeah. um, so it just that alone, really. But um, yeah, you know, kind of as we. As we discussed on the pod last week, easier to drive than what you would think, but absolutely a car that just lives lived up to my um, hopes and dreams just in, in yeah. absolutely every way. So, yeah. as I said last week, thanks to Mark Sumter for letting us letting us drive that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it just the 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 for me the pinnacle of air cooled. So absolutely a candidate for for that era without a doubt. My actual car of of the era, I've ticked over into uh, the water cooled generation with the nine nine six dot one GT three purely because it, it it was that car which at the time was a bit of a skunkworks project it was pre-andreas preuninger um it was a car that took the 911 in a different direction in having a car in between a carrera and then the fabled ren sport and as, as we all know a gt3 is is a highly aspirational 911 today so that's why i would just kind of pop mark that for, for the era but otherwise andy it would be 903 gt2 as well without a doubt yeah max Amazing. what's your input for that uh, my favourite um, of this period has for a long time been my favourite 911 full stop, so pretty much my favourite car. Um, 93 RS? Indeed, yeah, 93 <laughs> yeah. RS. Yeah. I just always loved that car right from dot. I have wondered why not GT2 over RS, and I think maybe it's because of the 
of availability of cars to the press and the way that the 993 RS was received by the UK press in the magazines that I was reading. They loved it. I, I loved the way it looked. I loved the wheels. That's one of yeah. my favorite wheels ever. And they seemed to love the way that it drove. Um, so for me, that was enough. That was, um, you know, that was it. Um, and has been for a long time. Love that car. Magic. Absolutely Choice. magic. What about an underrated car from 93 to 02? Again, that's quite an easy one for me. I'll jump in on that one. And I'd encourage people to, you can probably Google it these days if you don't have your old magazines, but look at the, you know, the first drive and launch tests of the 996 when it came out. The press loved it because it's such a brilliant car and it latterly became one of the most derided 911s ever. I know it's having a bit of a moment uh in the sun now but i don't think that's necessarily because people are saying what a brilliant car it is to drive i think it's because you know people are starting to appreciate the way it looks and it's affordable and it and it's it's quite cool but look at those you know google some contemporary road tests of 996 and you'll see what a bloody fantastic car it is Mm. yeah good shout good shout i'm I'm gonna go um i'm gonna hop back into air cooled for underrated and i'm gonna go with uh, a bogo 993 carrera yeah, so there's just been this kind of unrelenting march in popularity of 964s. But actually, the 993 is a better car in every single way than the 964 in terms of how it drives. And I uh, recently had the opportunity via Jonathan Franklin to drive a, uh, just a completely stock pre-Vario RAM uh, 993C2. And I was just astounded as to how awesome that is and how well it drove, how polished it was but actually was still quite usable. You know, we were saying at the start of the podcast with the long bonnet cars, you couldn't use them for a long time. I think with a 993 Carrera, it it hides its years quite well in that regard that you could go on a Sunday drive or you could drive across Europe in that car. And and I think it would be a pleasurable experience. So um, I know values are still kind of always been quite high and always well thought of, Mm. but I just think... But that's the advantage of those cars. Yes, it, it is because it means you're yeah. buying a good one, and, and yeah. you know certainly in the like majority did, of cases, yeah. In the majority, yeah, and yeah, we did a buyer's guide, and actually, there's not a great deal to look for, like that's kind of renowned for that era. You know, there's we've spoken about rust around the, the windscreens to look for, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But like, there's there's not a great deal. It's an exceptionally well made car, yeah. And uh, I just think there's a lot of love for the nine six four. There's becoming a lot of love for the nine nine six, and I worry that the nine nine three might get lost as a bit bland or something yeah, yeah. but actually I, I think they're spectacular i chose it i chose the 993 career for different reasons but yeah chosen the same car and my context was um other 993s so a 993c2s or a 993c4s or a turbo they're all the wide-body cars um and everybody sees those as the sort of the ultimate 993 but for me i th- actually think the you know a carrera set up with the right wheels the right suspension stance actually looks a lot better than a than a wide body um 993 i've seen 993 wide bodies go along the road and they look almost comical it's the, the butt is so massive <laughs> it doesn't match the front it's like they're two different it's like like a you know when you do the um you the fold the paper thing where you draw the head then you give it to somebody yeah, else yeah, and they draw yeah. the body and then the legs <laughs> That's what I think. That's what I think a nine nine three S or a turbo looks like. Yeah, it can just look like 
the front and the back don't match where the the Carrera Carrera just looks perfect the way that it's it's set up and all the little details work for me so yeah 993 Carrera is uh, an agreement from me yeah, it's underrated yeah. that period love it love it Andy B love it what uh, what about color of the decade then gents I've got one Go turquoise blue for me really yeah yeah do you remember Marcus uh is it Ackerman no it's not Ackerman that's the pub he was the um, director of Porsche GB for a while oh yeah 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 I think you're right you know yeah oh is it okay yeah and uh yeah his car was up at um Duke, Duke of London, London. I remember yeah, that, yeah. a little while ago um and that color was just magic um really thought it was a yeah kind of hidden away color but it's beautiful very similar to Mexico and what are the other blues maritime maybe like a like a Miami in there really yeah Miami but yeah, yeah it's just yeah. a bit different it's yeah 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 so yeah I'm gonna go for that one turquoise blue Oh, very good. Very left field. I love that. Love it. Yeah. What about you, Max? Uh, I'm in the blues, actually, often. Um, mm-hmm. I like cobalt blue. Love cobalt blue. That's a really, really cool color. It seems like in the uh, collective, cobalt seems to be coming through. People seem to be buying cobalt blue cars at the moment. It's so a really, it, really cool color. Was that on a 993 or a 996? 996. Yeah. Um, 996. In 993, I can't... Can't get over the um, the the arena red turbo, which was the press car. You know, that I, that, that pops. That's an mind. interesting color. You know, whenever I think about nine nine three, it's not a car a color that I that I'm not sure I would have chosen it or spec'd it. But that nine nine three turbo press car, you know, wore the nine eleven hull number plate. Yeah, it seems like such an iconic car that when I think yeah. about nine 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 three turbos, I think about arena red. Yeah. I think it's a difficult one, Arena Red, to live with in that it looks amazing when it's clean, uh-huh. um, but it looks a bit dull when it's not so clean. Yeah. In my view, you know, if it's if it's a well-cared-for car, it looks popping. It really looks good. Otherwise, it looks a bit dull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Uh, okay. So my colour is going to be, wait for it, Guards Red. <laughs> Uh, and the reason is so i've tried to stick i I haven't in my color choices for this podcast tried to veer too much off into like um certainly not pts because i think that flies Mm. in the face what it's about but stuff that kind of might be popular or or commonly seen um and so guards red although i i don't know andy i loved your 993 However, I'm not the greatest fan of a Guards Red 993 in stock yep. form. Has to be Agreed. said. Yep. That's but why I what? put silly stripes on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it works, mate. You, you, know, yeah. you know I love that car. But, you know, in stock form, a Guards Red 903 doesn't particularly do it for me. And as, as we learned, there's a reason you didn't see a lot of Guards Red 993s because there were a lot of 964s, yeah. et cetera. My overall feeling is in the period, the colour palette, particularly as we storm towards the millennium and, and the 996 era, the colour palette was quite bland. Yeah. It was it was black, white, grey, silver. So, you know, far removed from the explosion of colour from the 70s that we talked about earlier in the podcast, right? Um, however, Guards Red was in there, and I do think Guards Red looks decent on any Porsche generation, generally. I know I'm not the greatest fan of the 993, but I think it still looks 996 okay. 996 GT3. I see, I love it. 
Yeah, looks Love fantastic. It. Yeah, without a doubt, you know. But yeah, I, I think thinking of I think, Andy Bauer's car. Yes, guards, guards red or indie Schrott as it's also known. Uh, I think looks good on any 911 generation. So really, kind of by default, I'm picking this era because there was not anything else where I thought, oh, I've got yeah. to, got to have that covered. I think it's a particularly good 996 color, actually. I love a Guards mm. 996. Yeah, not seen often, is it? That, no, to be no. With you. I think really it's not really seen often works. at all. Definitely, definitely. But I think uh, you're right. Um, sort of post-964, it just went out of fashion because there were so many 964s in Guards Red. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, I don't want another red car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly yeah. that, to be honest. Exactly that. Which, again, like you said, it's funny as we're learning here under the march of time, you know, that rarity makes you go, actually, it's quite cool because because yeah. you don't see it absolutely so um yeah so to finish up from that era our non much radio icon it's it's an obvious choice it's pinky lie his uh his 996 design helped save the company with its shared parts and homogeny with the 986 boxster so we can reasonably say that certainly we wouldn't be doing this podcast today if it wasn't for for pinky and his team really in designing that car so our penultimate era is 2003 to 2012 now this period at porsche platz witnessed further expansion of the 911 lineup so this was where we gave rise to the s and the 4s joining the carrera and the carrera 4 in cab coupe and target forms and as august Ackleitner told us on the first uh, renamed nine weeks radio episode a few years back now he said that it was that expansion of the lineup and that uh, revitalization of the s model that directly impacted um, further R&D at Porsche or accelerated R&D and allowed uh, innovations such as PDK to be brought into the 911 sphere down the line. So really, really important. Uh, it was also the era, either fortunately or fortunate, either fortunately or unfortunately, depending on which side of the fence you sit on, of uh, a rise in driver assistance technology. Uh, think traction control and sport uh, stability control, uh, sport mapping, PASM, etc., etc. Obviously, as well as I mentioned, the arrival of the PDK, PDK double clutch automatic gearbox, which is, sits central to the 911 these days, unfortunately. Uh, also in the period, the Road 911 hit four litre, that halo four litre capacity, um, and also road car hit 500 horsepower. A long, long way away at this point from the humble 130 horsepower on the original. And also right at the end of this period, this was when the GTS nomenclature was added to the 911 lineup as well. So lots going on, gents, lots going on. Where, where does that period sit for you boys generally? Super important for me, right at the very top of 911 for me. You know, this is a period when I'm actually potentially driving 911s for the first time and even thinking about owning them um it's 997 era which is one of my favorite 911s for me a real return to form you know i've been a, accused or is it a compliment i'm not sure if it's a compliment or if you take the mickey out of me when you call me a 997 evangelist i love the 997 this is 997 period uh, first 911s that I was driving, not actually the first 911 I drove, that was my dad's Ratty 3.2 was the first one I drove. But the first car that I drove and re really enjoyed, um, and it really, you know, brought the 911 physically uh, 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 to life for me and became the first 911 that I owned. Uh, so it's special, special times for me. Yeah, I love how that's got a real kind of personal appeal to you, this period, Max. 
Yeah. I, th- I still think, I think back to my most enjoyable bit of driving time ever, potentially. I spent in, in this period, I spent a little bit of time in, I suppose it's 997.2 era when I was, um, earning a bit of money and I could afford to do fun things like potentially going to the Porsche experience center, um, and things like that. And because I was thinking about, can I maybe buy Porsche 911 at some point? Um, that was even more important to me. So I did go to the Porsche experience center a few times during this area. And I, it was on my, either my second or third visit. I spent an hour and a half just in one car and it was a 997.2 C2S PDK with a sport chassis with a full red interior. Um, it, it was white on the outside. It had that Ooh. lovely um, Carrera sport wheel. I think it's the one that looks like a mini light. Yeah, Mark's uh, bike, oh, yeah. lovely. I, I, I spent the whole hour and a half in that car. The guy who was, in, who was in instructing me at the time, a guy called Keith, he was an older guy who was a historic touring car driver and his son was driving in Blancpain. So they were proper, and he. So he was. He was up for the idea. He. He sort of. I suppose his job was to understand me and see what I wanted to do. And he really let me drive the car faster and faster and faster. You know, and an hour in, we you know we were lapping that road circuit, at Porsche Experience Centre, like it was a racetrack. And I, I just had the most fantastic time. Absolutely loved it. And I came away from that thinking, this is just the best thing ever. Even even though it had a full bloody bright red interior, this thing. I, I have it now. I have it now. <laughs> amazing (laughs) so you know real real special real special times for my personal relationship with the 911 because then of course i actually bought a 997 in 2012 so the very end of this and very end of this decade yeah yeah even when you're talking about it max you can see like the fire in your eyes for for the period you know yeah love it quality andy where does it sit with you um later in that period it reignited my sort of love for the nine 911 I'm I'm I really wasn't a, a lover of the 996 I'm afraid guys sorry um so I was kind of turned off but when the 997 came out back to the to the round headlights I was I was back on board um so yeah it reignites it for me that sort of later period of that decade yeah yeah quality absolute quality uh so we shall dive into car of the period feel like there's quite a lot to choose from here. Yeah, there's lots to choose from. You know? um, I'm going to go quite, um, what's the word? You know, not too outrageous. Okay. Um, and it's actually one of the first 911s that I drove. Um, my late friend, James, he he um, sorted out a test drive for me, uh, which was up, it would have been Sheffield Porsche. So this would have been yeah, a fair few years ago. It would have been when the 997.2 was launched and we test drove it. And I believe it was white with the red interior. Ah. Coincidentally, that's pretty crazy, isn't it? And it was a 997 GTS. So a dot two GTS PDK. Um, we went out for a little drive in it. And I did a launch control and it was like, Jesus Christ. But I think that, that car of that period, I think it is the, the perfect choice in the sort of you know the mid mid area it's just such a great car that that 997.2 gts absolutely yeah. almost like peak 911 really definitely definitely it's a great show. it's a great anecdote as well by the way that andy it's it, it it's an instant classic gts wasn't it yes Not, absolutely absolutely an instant i mean have classic. those ever gone under 
list price no <laughs> i think yeah, yeah. I, that's I, crazy isn't it what it, what it is car? For, for a car you know with carrera in its in its name yeah. it, you know in regards to like the modern modern sense of it it's incredible i can't remember if they were 57 or something new or might have been might have been 60 something but yeah I they've never remember, yeah. never really gone below list Much price south, which is yeah. incredible Absolutely they've probably never incredible. gone low lower than 80 percent of list price maybe De- yeah know. yeah It'd be oh, interesting yeah. to see wouldn't it without a doubt yeah, yeah. i genuinely i don't don't think they've ever really gone below list which is yeah. is phenomenal crazy really. yeah. yeah it's a it's a great candidate for car of the decade max what what about yours uh car of the decade for me 997.1 gt3 okay I, I still think that's my favorite gt3 you spend a bit of time looking at one it's 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 a shame that so many of them are in white because I, I don't actually think it's the best color to to look at that car in. But the 907.1 GT3, the the design of the aero, the rear wing, the stance, yeah. the wheel design, the way that the wheels sit in the arches, it's just a for me, it's a better looking car than the 0.2 uh, 907 GT3. Yeah, that center locks and is a bit you know yeah, sexier in some ways, but yeah. I just think they're amazing. It's actually an, Although I've known people who've owned them and and do, it's not actually a 997 that I've driven, but it's a 993 that I would still love to own. Yeah. Um, it's the 99, it's the 997 that I thought I was gonna own. You know, in the period when I bought my car it was before 911s went really crazy, and it seemed like a, a a sensible plan or a or a realistic plan that I could own my 997 Carrera for a little while and continue continue to save and earn, and then I'd be able to buy a GT3. Uh, after that and that's absolutely what i was going to do but you know the prices started going bonkers um and the car went away from me and, and probably still is if i'm honest but i still love them still mm. love them you know that center exhaust the motor ah yeah. oh, it's just great it's a it's a very visually pleasing car to look at mm. it's, yeah. it's it's design is very very harmonious like what you mm. said earlier on Andy, you know, it's, it's, um, it's not like different pieces kind of shoehorn together you know that just ev- everything as a package is is just really wholesome makes sense works w- works with different bits of the car you know i i, I do agree I'm, I'm not sure i can't pinpoint exactly what it is but i don't feel the gen 2 997 gt3 has that like the no. like the 997 a, a, yeah. as a whole i think that's that's really really a gorgeous design yeah i think it the gen 2 car it might be the way that those something like wheels sit in the arches but the gen 2 car looks narrower that nine the, the point one on a 73 it looks more squat um i don't know what it is as you say it's it, it's a combination it's probably not one thing it's a combination of things yeah yeah but, um you know our friend and and collective member nick jeffrey he has a gt silver example um so i've seen that a lot and that that is a great color to look at that car in that's a really beautiful example and every mm-hmm. time i see it i'm just like oh man nick that is just fantastic yeah, yeah. I think it might be visually more dramatic. I'm trying. I'm trying to think on that Gen One v Gen Two. Where, where how does that work? But um, yeah, it's it's a great shout, Max. Because it's a phenomenal car. It has to be said, a phenomenal car. Uh, possibly a little bit under the radar as well. I would I would uh, hasten to add. Yeah, maybe. Um, my car of that period, 2003 to 2012. I'm going in right at the top, boys. I'm going 997 GT3 RS four liter. <laughs> it's it's right up there with the with the pinnacle of 911 the first road going four liter 911 and to hit 500 horsepower as well um i love absolute ev- weapon e- everything about that car yeah. is just exquisite and um it's also the last manual 
911 Ren Sport as well, which I think mm. there's a big cachet to that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, even even if that car was worth ten quid, I would still love it. I hasten to add, you know, it's it's very special. Yeah, very, very special. Yeah. Um, so underrated. Where are we going? Well, that's quite easy, isn't it? Do you reckon? Yeah, I'm gonna gonna go. Well, am I in the wrong period? No, that's they're still about nine nine six Carrera. Nine nine six Carrera. Okay, yeah. So yeah. it would be dot two by by this point yeah. then. So yeah, nine nine six dot two Carrera. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yep. why do you think that then, Andy B? Well, they are really, aren't they? They're still underrated. I mean, when I look at you, your car's a little bit earlier than that, but it's you know it's a it does look a great looking car. And when I've driven your car, I've really enjoyed driving it. It's um it feels great for a for a you know a lowly spec nine eleven really. Yeah, values yeah. wise, definitely underrated. A, a lot of ish, and again mentioned this before, but a lot of the issue that nine nine six owners have is where that car is such good value to buy. It's, it almost poses a bit of a problem of where do you go next? And we've mentioned before the 997, yeah. it, you know, is that enough of a jump up relative to the significant financial investment you'd have to make on top of a 996? You know, is it sure. so, uh, is that, is that so different now? Is the bridge so far? I think it still is. Yeah. If you look yeah, okay. at, uh, yeah, 996 to say 997.2, although, yeah, the 997.2s are coming down, um, it, you know, it's possibly not enough. And again, some yeah. people like the fact, and Max, you've mentioned it before, the, the, the 997.2s with a DFI, slightly mm -hmm. mu muted soundtrack, and yeah. people like the rawness of the M96, M97, the character of that. So a lot of 996 owners, I think, for the similar money, will look to jump into a 991. Or yeah, go yeah. backwards and go into the air cool kind of thing. So I think that it's definitely un under undervalued, without a doubt, kind of monetarily. Yeah. yeah, it's a great shout. What What about you, Max? What's your thoughts? Underrated. Um, I am. I'm. I'm consciously ignoring because in our in our decade bracket here, nine nine one does arrive, but I'm I'm consciously ignoring that. Believe that till it's the close next one. Uh, so I'm going nine nine seven carrera i'm looking back to the car that i i owned um you know as as you mentioned lee with the arrival of 997 we've got carrera and carrera s yeah um and many more uh carrera s's were sold than carreras um i i, I owned a 3.6 997.1 carrera too and i think it's actually a really really lovely car that 3.6 engine feels like it suffers a little bit less from uh bore scoring and things like that than than the 3.8 that's my perception having talked to lots of people and read lots of things and i really enjoyed the engine in that car i thought it was really really lovely but the car i'm uh, i'm actually going to highlight is is the gen 2 s that was around that people weren't buying when they were buying the GTS. <laughs> yeah. The 997 right. GTS was so, it's such a great looking car. And as you yeah. say, it was an instant classic, but you could still buy a 907 Carrera S at that point. And those later cars, those 2010 and 2011 model year cars that have the, have the black steering wheel and the, the interior looks really smart, much smarter than it does on the gen one cars. And they have that narrow body elegance and and sometimes you do see them in quite interesting colors um, and there was a black edition there as well, although that was a that was a three six. I think those late narrow body nine nine seven point twos, um, PDK or manual. I think they're really 
Um, you know, when everyone's looking at GTS, you can spend, I don't know, 15 grand less and get a really beautiful Carrera yeah. S. They're, they're, mm. they're really good looking. And um, I was at Harbour Cars last week and poking around the showroom. There's a couple of them sitting there. And I just think, you know, the, again, the footprint now mm. compared to 991992, I think really plays into the charm of a 997.2. Gives you all that modernity inside that you'd want. Arguably, it's the last traditional, certainly the last traditional 911 in terms of its layout. There's none of that Panamera-esque um, center console yeah. separate, you know, the two two seats in the front, you know, you're, you're next to each other. You're on top of each other, really. Um, you can, from the driver's seat, you can touch both doors still. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Our friend Henry at Lakeside Classic, so it's on the marketplace. He's got a a nine and seven point two Carrera three six white black yeah. interior, I think, with the Carrera Classic wheel on it. I've been looking at that. I mean, it's just lovely. So it's a Absolutely very lovely. good do it all nine eleven. That yeah, a yeah. very very good do it all nine eleven for um, comparatively not a lot of money. I yeah. think for me, um, underrated in the in the period two thousand three to two thousand twelve. Uh, people are going to say you can't pick your your, your own car uh, so i'm tempted to say the anniversary because we've just spoken about the gts being an instant classic i as i've said before i believe the anniversary is a gts spec so mm -hmm. okay, it's, a, it's a pre gts yeah. add in the the numbered production run and everything else i do think it's underrated um i've i've backed the horse with my own wallet in in buying it but if, if someone says no 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 no, you can't pick your own car that's unfair I'd, I'd probably go for a 996 or 997 targa because i actually i know everybody loves the the roll bar design that's come back but actually those 993 996 and 997 targas are, i think design wise work really well because it gives that fresh air open top motoring whilst keeping faithful to that coupe silhouette and then for the 996 target, which came around in 2003, and then the 997 target that followed, where you had the hatch that was able to open, just brings a whole new level of practicality to that car. I think I think it's super duper, really really cool thing. I've yeah, never I seen. Like I've never like ever. Yeah, I've never seen anybody driving those with a sad face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they always seem to have a smile on their face. I think it's yeah. the light, the airiness. Yeah. It is honestly. It's. it's marvelous and that's the thing you can see their face because it's so well you know that cabin is lit so up, well yeah. lit up it's a it's a wonderful place to sit and then to to have all of that with a 911 sports car experience is is quite special to be honest yeah 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 and in the 996 isn't that that's a rear wheel drive car as well isn't it because all it 997 is. targets are four-wheel drive and wide Correct. body yeah um but in the yeah in the 996 you can, you can still get it with a rear drive for me aesthetically the only thing that you lose some people like that sort of um chrome not chrome but the you know the bright work yeah yeah they uh, that you get from a to c pillar but you do lose that iconic sort of kick you know the hoffmeister kink as you'd say if you're in bmw language at the c pillar you do yeah. lose that in the in the target but uh but yeah yeah i think they're really cool i i find that quite an appealing proposition actually a 996 or 997 target yeah yeah great great stuff uh color gents where are we going can i stick with the target targets here yeah mm -hmm. uh nordic gold metallic Ooh, <laughs> which yeah, is that yeah. orange is it... color it's wow i think i've only ever seen it on a target i don't think i've ever seen it on anything else i, I think it was the launch color for that and was it was okay. the 997 yeah yeah what yeah. an epic color that yeah. is 
Loads um, of depth in a field, to it. you know, if you were to take enough, you know, fill a field with 997s, you'd probably greys, blacks, dark blues, and then you get one of those. Boom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah give me that boom. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. That is a great shout. Yeah, that is a great that's, shout. That's quite something. La- last one of those I saw in the flesh was actually a was a Targa, and it was a, a box and gas, not this year, perhaps the year before. Yeah. Last one I saw for sale, it talking of Harbour Cars. Harbour Cars had a yeah, they had one recently, uh, 907.2 C4S in Nordic okay. Gold Metallic. Oh, uh, was it? On their okay. books, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty, yes, yeah. That's quite a colour. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, it's never really been on my radar, gents. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep a keen eye out for that, especially yeah. uh, once we once we head stateside as well. I can imagine that'll look good on the Cali yeah, Coast. Yeah, yeah. It would, it would. Definitely. Um, Porsche, you, Sent, uh, Porsche Center South London have got a PTS Nordic Gold Metallic 902 GT3 at the moment. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, and that's got I can imagine that would work quite well. Yeah. 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 So well, um but my colour that I've every time I see it, uh and you see it occasionally um on 907 carreras is atlas gray um okay. i really 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 like atlas gray yes. what's um, what's the difference got, to the normal grays um well it's it's darker than seal or meteor neither okay. of which i particularly like it's sort of like a metallic slate gray almost yeah. i would say um and on a 997 it's quite business-like so it might not be your cup of tea but it's a super smart oh it's quite dark isn't it yeah and when you see them um i think where have i been looking at one recently maybe rsj cars in slough i think they might have an atlas grade 997 in and when i see them i think i'd i I like that really much black yeah yeah really in the right lights yeah Yeah. in 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 as mentioned what you said earlier Andy. i think when it's uh a may like spotlessly clean i think it can look really good but anything other than that i think can look quite dull i, I have to say look, this is this is the beauty of it We're all got different tastes and whatnot i find that color completely uninspiring <laughs> i knew um, you would you know but i think you know to, a business like max bang on absolutely bang on you know that is you can you can quietly smoke that into the city leave it parked at the side of the road and um you know i think it'll it'll be there as is when you return it's quite an under the radar thing which you know some people might want to go for so um in 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 going in the complete antithesis yes. of <laughs> so i was Gray, thinking there's yours yeah, i'm i'm go. coming Come in on, hardware give with us some boom. strong mexico blue boys mexico oh, yes. blue oh. i just think there's so much flair to that color i think like it the color alone adds at least 10 horsepower to any 911 of which it adorns it's just a yeah strong like ox color and looks fabulous on there particularly a 997 of, uh, of that vintage yeah yeah, Mexico blue is a great blue. I'm a big, big fan. I can never understand where Miami came from. Yeah. Um, you know, because Mexico is so. I don't know why they didn't just carry on doing yeah. doing doing Mexico. Great color, great choice. Definitely, definitely. You can't you can't have an accident in Mexico blue uh, on the road <laughs> because they they see you coming. Only from, if your own doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not somebody yeah, else's. No, Only because no you're admiring ever... yourself in the reflection of a plate <laughs> glass window. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely it's uh, it's definitely safe in that regard. So we've done car, we've done underrated, we've done color. Our joint Nine Watch Radio icon from two thousand three to two thousand twelve is Mister August Ackleitner, uh, nicknamed Mister Nine Eleven himself. He's retired now from Porsche, but he oversaw about eighteen years of nineteen uh, Nine Eleven development, which was pretty much the entirety of the period we've just covered. 
uh, as we said, helped develop the 911 lineup with the creation of that S model, which directly contributed funds to innovative uh, technologies such as PDK, which arrived for Gen 2. Um, and then, of course, there was the evolution into 991, which I'm sure we'll talk about shortly. Uh, again, where I think the envelope of performance and practicality was expanded. That was all his work. So, uh, Mr. Ackleitner is our icon of the period. And that brings us on to the last era of our 60 years of 9 11 special pod. So, 2013 to 2023. So, we're, we're technically 11 years in there, uh, but we don't mind that, do we? <laughs> no, we don't mind. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So the last 10 years of 9-11, what do you think of that, gents? I'm not growth. going first on this one. <laughs> it's been growth, isn't it? Yeah. Everything's grown, let's say. Um, but I don't know, looking back on 9-9-1, those are now looking more delicate it's i'm sure the 992 is going to look delicate in years to come so, <laughs> yeah um yeah it's all been a bit uh not jarring but uh, <laughs> it, it takes a while for us it's to get used to all these different new things yeah. coming doesn't it yeah it takes us at least 10 years to love it it's definitely a subdued response there from mr brooks i would say yeah yeah <laughs> i did for, for me in similar zest max to your relationship with 997 in the previous period I've got a lot of warm memories, certainly for the early half, the first half, sorry, of, of this decade, because it was when I began working with these cars and working with the people around them and, and the community. So as I've said before, I've done at least 100,000 miles in 991s of various descriptions. I've spent a lot of time at the wheel of the seventh generation I-11, did some really cool things, met some really cool people. So it's there's a lot of um, personal emotional attachment in there for me. The the nine nine two era, as I've said, I'm not really a fan of. If I'm honest, you're it's, warm it's, one day. You were warm. I, I think so. I think you know. I'll look back on this in thirty years' time if I'm still alive and go. Well, you know how differently you think now to then. You know, but I yeah. think for for me at the moment, it's the first nine eleven, new nine eleven that I don't particularly hanker to buy. Really, I'm quite happy to delve into to the the archives. Really, um, but yeah, it's been interesting to see the expansion of the model lineup. But also, actually, I think what's worth saying in this period, there's been a real expansion of the people who love these cars. Mm. You know, when I first got into the job at T911, I think the general perception of a 911 owner was uh, a white middle-aged man whereas 10 years on i think we're looking at all ages both sexes uh or i think there's more than two these days actually isn't there so uh apologies <laughs> to anyone i may have offended but um yeah you know all yeah and, and all backgrounds basically you know like I, I don't think 10 years ago you would have seen someone in their late 20s or early 30s driving an impact bumper car it would have been for the older gentleman, whereas, again, I think the likes of Magnus Walker has really helped with this kind of explosion of culture swarming into the kind of the 911 sphere. And so now younger people are aspiring to own air-cooled Porsches, which I think is really cool. So I think actually that's possibly more stark than the development of the car itself in that period. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, you've hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, it's... It, 
it's another personal era for me because I've I've owned a nine nine one, and the word that I you know growth springs to mind for you, Andy. I thing that springs to mind for me is superior. You know, the nine nine one is quite a big step. is is a big step forward. Your nine nine seven to nine nine one is 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 a big step. Yeah. Um, in terms of technology, um, growth in some respects certainly in terms of wheelbase um, and also track at, at the front, if not overall uh, dimensions, there's certainly a perception that the 991 is quite a big car. The overall dimensions actually are much different from a, from a 991, uh, uh, sorry, from a 997 at all. Um, but my personal journey with the 991, my first experience of driving a 991 was a little bit underwhelming. It was at the Porsche Experience Centre and I had been driving a 993 when I had my first great 993 driving experience, when I was doing the Evolution 911 experience that you could do, where you drove their 3.2 uh, and then 993, and then the current car, they wanted to put me in a in a late 997.2 C4S that they had. But the 991 had just come out, and they had some. And I said, can I drive the 991 instead? So I got out of um, the silver 16-inch wheel 993 Carrera into an aqua blue 991 C2S PDK. And in that moment, I found it a bit underwhelming um, because it's such a state. 993 yeah. to 991 is, is huge. You know, it's a completely massive kind of car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it didn't feel to me, it just felt like a very fast, beautifully built, luxurious German car rather than a 911. So that step was a bit too, too, too much, I think. Uh, maybe to have done on on that occasion, but as a as a as a nine nine one owner, I've appreciated all the virtues of the car. I think they're absolutely brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah. and I would very happily have and may well have another nine nine one in the in the future. And something else I did in terms of skipping generations, I also went nine nine seven to nine nine two. It's that day when I came to help you with the Carrera S feature that you were doing for T nine eleven. Yeah. Um, I drove over to meet you in my 997 and then yeah. I spent most of the day driving the 992 and I loved the 992. So that was interesting going from 997 in, into 992. Um, I didn't feel the same thing as I'd done from 993 to 991. Um, I was driving the car on some pretty craggy Buckinghamshire roads and I loved it. I mean, I really like the way the 992 looks. Not everyone does. I really like the way it looks and I love the way it drove as well. Um, and then I got back into my 997 to drive home. And that was the occasion when I thought that the windscreen was going to pop out or the windows were broken. <laughs> the, the refinement um, of a 992 is so superior to a 997. At first, I was checking the window switches. I thought, wretched electric windows. They're broken, aren't they? The windows aren't up properly. But they were. And then I thought, oh, my God, I've broken a seal on the windscreen. The windscreen's about to fall in on me on the A41. But it wasn't. It was just that a 992 is so much more refined. But when we've been hacking around, around the countryside where RPM are, I'd really enjoyed the 992. So I'm a big 991 fan and a big 992 fan. And yeah. I, I do aspire to be a 992 owner, I have to say. Epic. Absolutely epic. Lots lots of love pouring in there then. Yeah. Which and no good. pillow fluffing either because I've sold it. Yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> that. Exactly that. Exactly that. We're getting at Harbour Cars last week. They had a C2S, obviously narrow body, Max, like your one. Yeah. And it was in white, which I think really allowed you to see like the body as a whole, you know, like some some colours can hide certain parts. Whereas this, uh, you know, body in white, right? And um, it, it looked quite diddy. 
Mm. Unbelievably, where we're used to seeing, you know, big, like, girthy, wide-bodied 992s now, it made a 991.1 look really slender. And I never, never, ever, ever thought I'd say that because, as you rightly point out, Max, it was such a big step change when that car came out, the 991, over the 997. Um, possibly not seen. Or the, the 996 was the, it's the only original 911, um, completely 100% new, I should say apart from the original right but otherwise the, the the move from 997 to 991 you hadn't seen anything as big since the 32 became the 964 so it's a huge step change and really significant in the peer in the in the tapestry of the 911 if you like uh but yeah 10 years on that that big 911 is starting to look quite slender it's funny yeah. it's funny yeah, yeah. funny yeah. how it goes yeah um, I, I i describe as they it's the way that they moved the wheels within the silhouette which is the big difference from yes definitely the width across the hips is the same um but the wheels as a wheelbase are 10 centimeters further apart that's yeah. quite a lot it but is. i think equally significant or maybe more significant is the track width at the front i forget exactly what the dimensions are in terms of how much further the front wheels are apart of nine and one again in overall width uh, the silhouette of the car is the same, but the wheels are further apart. And that makes a big difference to the way that the 991 goes into a corner compared to a 997. Carrera to Carrera, this is. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. my experience. You don't have to manage the corner entry in the same way that you do um, in a 997, or you do, but you're going much faster Yeah, at the time that you have to. And that's the superiority yeah. of... Um, uh, 991 over 997 and it's lighter a bit like 996 was over 993 it's a you know it's a it's a it's a more sophisticated car without a doubt yeah yeah well there's uh in that period 2013 up to the present day uh that 911 witnessed uh, an explosion of porsche acronyms associated with that car such <laughs> as uh, padm which means max uh porsche active dynamic mounts yeah very so, well played uh, yeah yeah yes, yeah yes. and uh, i hope you're not going to ask me any of these <laughs> <laughs> no, wait. let's stick with max there. so uh, we had padm we had pdcc which means porsche dynamic chassis control <laughs> correct ptv porsche torque vectoring pccm pccm porsche well Classic done. Communication <laughs> management. Yeah, well done. So it's a bit of a trick one there. You were trying to catch me out. I was, yeah, I was, was because it's, it's, it's new, but looking back, yeah, P PDLS. Uh, Porsche Dynamic Lighting System. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, uh, RAS. RAS? Yeah. I don't know. It, it, this rather oh, than an rear acronym. axle steer well played yes. yeah yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to catch out there it was not okay. not really an acronym but more an, an abbreviation that, that's um popped up on forums but yeah rear axle steer so more of this kind of technological uh creep with the rear axle steer on the turbo and the gt3 models which is now ubiquitous uh for for those uh there was electrically assisted steering for the first time as well uh the 911 as max pointed out grew in in uh proportionally but certainly in terms of wheelbase by 100 millimeters so the 911 became bigger in the period we surpassed 1 million 911s made that was in 2017 uh the carrera t was added to the 911 lineup as well which has gone on to be quite a popular choice for 991.2 all 911s went turbocharged um carrera 911s go turbocharged there was a particulate filter added uh, for environmental reasons to help the 911 conform and then with the arrival of the 992 
all nine elevens went wide body. So lots going on, and that really is top level because the last I think there's as much has happened to the nine eleven in the last ten years as the previous fifty. You know, bewildering, the, the, isn't it? It is bewildering it's, amount it's, of change. Yes, it it really is. We'd be here forever if we went through it. So um, let's get down to car of the decade, then, chaps. Two thousand thirteen to the present day. What are you saying, Max Newman? Nine nine one R. Boom. Four. What a car in at the top. Yeah. What a car! I'd love one of those. Yeah, that would be my ultimate only nine eleven. Yeah, uh, here, here, here for for car of the of the decade for me and and yeah car 911 to have full stop overall so yeah here here completely agree 911 r what what about you andy well i i'm one not to go for the obvious am i so i i'm gonna i'm gonna go a bit lower in the uh in the field um something that always whenever i see one is a just a borgo gt3 early 991 gt3 i love the look of those just the uh, quite a simplified silhouette but I'm not going to pick that, but I just thought I'd put a little mention in there. Um, <laughs> I know what you're going to go for, because you like going left field and not the obvious choice. Yeah, well, it's the Carrera T. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that it? Yeah, no, what I was going to uh, be sarcastic and say it's going to be the uh, the 2014 Facebook edition to uh, build to celebrate one million fans What's on that? facebook mate it's, it's a one-off was just... that that blue one with the white wheels <laughs> yeah 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 oh my yeah. god yeah yeah or, or the, glad or i've the... never heard of that <laughs> yeah. yeah there's there's a few like naughty numbers we'll call cropping up from from the period yeah definitely marketing had a lot of budget in the time <laughs> so uh but no yeah carrera t yeah. you were saying carrera t yeah that's uh that's my little pick because i think it, that takes me back in time and i'm quite happy back there thank you very much do you know this what? Is... That's a really good synopsis, you know. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Love it. Even yeah. though it's got a, yeah, a twin turbo engine, it still takes me back in time because it's simple. It's, it's yeah, it's it's what I like. Yeah. 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 I like one of those. I would, that, that's, that really appeals to me, Andy, as a potential ownership proposition. Had I been able to afford one, I may have bought one when I bought my 991 that I did buy. But they're, they're just a bit beyond me. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, very appealing car. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, nice. Yeah. Nice. See, we've all gone for manuals there. It's quite telling. I think 911R and Carrera T, uh, both definitely kind of made from the same thesis, at least. Yeah. Under- Go quick on. question for you, Lee. Um, how far do you think you have to go in 991 a time before the manual gearbox is a car that you would want to own in Carrera or GTS? terms yeah okay so seven speed and not like yeah, the, mo- yeah. the motorsport yeah. box yeah um oh that is a great question the, the the gearbox was improved for the gts which arrived at the end of the dot one era yeah. i think the uh those early seven speed manuals i just didn't particularly get on with i found them quite clunky particularly the four-wheel drive variants that they, they they were definitely okay. more clunkier than the rear wheel drive um they did improve it for for um for the 991.1 gts i would actually say it took until the start of the 992 era for porsche to really finesse the seven speed box to be honest with you um the 991.2 carrera t is a good box but the the 992 carrera s was where they really i think finessed it um in terms of like the weight of it and the directness of it the positivity of the shift i think even with a carrera t sometimes there's a little bit of um vagueness can be as to you know where are you going next from here where am i off to be quite interesting interesting to look into the part numbers wouldn't it and where the Mm. cut off the actual cutoffs are yeah what material um, differences yeah actual material differences because your your 
you know, you're very fortunate to drive lots of cars, but it was it a particular car that was much better than than its one that came off the production line next to it that changed your opinion? Quite, well, it, this is it as well, and, and also, and this is yeah, I'm often reminded of this in the comments on on YouTube videos. You know, press cars they are worked hard, but you're driving them early in their life, and, yeah. and particularly reference to the manual gearbox, you need some mileage for for it to limber up mechanically yeah 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 as as you point out you know a um a car with thirty thousand miles on the clock is a different car to one with 10 yeah yeah you know uh, reference the gearbox but what i would say is you know a lot of the cars they are of a similar mileage right so it's yeah. I'm, I'm i'm comparing a car with True, sub yeah. ten thousand miles on the clock from one generation to the next that's yeah. kind of kind of how it works yeah. but it's a good it's a good point that's yeah. really interesting because i i i i chose my 991 as a pdk i you know i was seeking out that pdk pdk experience you know i wanted to try it i thought that was the right experience and it was something that i wanted to have i wanted the paddles and i wanted the usability and all of that sort of thing and for the time that i owned the car i didn't ever when i was in it i didn't ever think i wish i was in a manual I really enjoyed I enjoyed mm. the ease of use when I was cruising and I enjoyed the excitement when I was on the paddles. But n- n- now my experience of the Boxster that I now have with that really, you know, I don't think I've driven a better manual car. Uh, I enjoy the modernity of that car. It's 2015. And I enjoy, I enjoy the, if you can call a manual gearbox, a retro experience these days. Yeah, on, yeah, yeah. On a modern car, maybe it is. And I'm thinking if I want to go back into 911, how can I, what, what can I afford that's, that has modernity and also a decent manual gearbox? You know, so I asked Kyle, you know, Kyle would take a manual, he'll, he'd take the worst manual gearbox over the best automatic, I feel like. So he'd have a 991 Gen 1 and he'd have a seven speed manual because that, you know, but I'm just not sure where, where it is for me. I'm not sure how I can play myself back into 911 world and get that modernity that I enjoy um of the of the 991 era cars but a good manual gearbox i'm not yeah. sure if i can to be honest i might yeah. have to go back to 997.2 but that's the thing that i can afford that that six speed is is phenomenal and that's that's the issue i think really you know the seven speed for years just didn't live up it probably still doesn't really it, you know it's it's too many ratios it just doesn't live up to the six speed in the 997.2 yeah. you know that that was a wonderful slick maneuverability on that you know not quite rifle bolt, but certainly getting towards it, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, the seven speed, just the the, the clunkiness of it, and, and it was quite unsophisticated. It was quite unPorsche like, I felt really. So twinned yeah. with the fact that PDK is so good, that's why actually a manual nine nine one Carrera of any description, Cab Coupe Targa, S four S etc. is quite it's quite a rare find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, with good reason by the sound of things, because the the. The seven-speed manual is a is a PDK turned into a manual, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So that, that probably doesn't help. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I think from a starting point, it probably isn't coming from the right place. I think so. And look, Porsche did well at the time. So as we said earlier in the podcast, these uh, innovations or where where the proliferation into S and 4S helped put some money in the pot to develop PDK and put it into the, the Gen 2, 997, and then 991 and whatever. PDK is is eminently prevalent now within the 911 lineup. And you have to remember for the 991 generation, it was optional. There's a two and a half grand option. Mm. There's a lot of PDK gearboxes out there. So, um, you know, it's, yeah, Porsche's done all right out of PDK options (laughs) over the the years, to be honest. So uh, 
underrated gents what are we saying Ooh. probably just the basic Carreras, i guess i'm, I'm with you there brother 100 percent, 100 percent. particularly for for 991.2 that was the first 911 i felt was all the 911 you need previous to that if you spot the uh, spec or went to purchase the entry level 911 you'd need to spec a few choice options i think just to kind of bring it up a little bit is probably what right. i say but yep. like genuinely yep a 991.2 and then certainly a 992 that followed first carrera out the box thank you very much don't need any options it's perfect just the way it is and does everything i need a 911 to do i wonder what the um the relationship is in say if you were to go back to a 964 how many base carreras were bought versus all the rs's and you know the special editions the turbos you know what was the relationship you'd probably be like 80 percent carreras 20 percent special stuff bring that take that to a that 992 generation i bet you it's the other way around so 20 percent carreras if you're lucky yeah 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 80 percent of the stuff is above that without a doubt i think it's telling for the 992 generation that porsche bought out the s first Yes, um, and yeah. delayed the arrival of the Carrera. And I think it's because a lot of people would have jumped from the Carrera, say they're test driving, then jumped into an S and been like, well, I don't know, really. I think the Carrera pretty much does everything I um, I need, you know, and it'd only yeah. be the, the, you know, the want is, and that slippery slope that we all fall down that would yeah. make us plump for the S really. So I completely agree with that. I, I think the Carrera is without doubt heinously underrated. Yeah. 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 I've, um, I think there are that there are a few. I mean, I've got a bit more uh, personal experience of you know cars in this space for various reasons. I've struggled a bit to to pin. You know, you'll say you always do struggle to pin myself down to one choice. <laughs> um, you know, there's a few that I think I could have gone for. Um, but the first one that sprang to mind for underrated in this space is the 50 Yara 991. Great shout. Um, yeah, yeah. They're expensive. You know they're expensive cars because it's a you know it's a genuine numbered individually numbered uh limited edition of 1963 um and people say well it's just a gts you know in a in a bloody you know goodwood retro outfit but, <laughs> bit of tweed yeah a bit of tweed <laughs> but when you spend time in one which i've been lucky enough to do thanks to the kindness of james bullen uh collective member they're really lovely cars you know, lovely cars to be in and lovely cars to use. And I drove it for, you know, for half an hour around the Buckingham, Buckinghamshire countryside. And the thing that I still think about it now, this was last October, I just think I'd like to stay in that car and drive. I like to drive down to the Channel Tunnel and go off. You know, James has been into Europe in his car, into France. And as I was driving, I thought this would be a car that I'd just like to stay in. I don't want to get out. I don't want to give it back to James. I want to keep driving. <laughs> that's incredible to be fair and and yeah to build on that max i think every mile would feel very special in that car even within the realms of 911 you know okay so you own a 911 fine but you get into it and and it's impossible to not realize you're in a very special 911 cockpit yeah in yeah. there yeah i spent a long time trying to think how i was going to contextualize it because i had to write it up for t911 and the way that i concluded was because i mean what are they like 110 grand or something 120 grand i'm not sure they're a lot of money so then you know they're 992 carrera s money and i concluded that you could 
spend the same money, you know, 992S or 991.50 RA, but you could use the car in exactly the same way and you would not feel shortchanged in a 911 and you'd, and you'd feel like you're in a, a special car. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Mm. It's, it's a very Good special cool. car. And uh, yeah, I, I agree. I feel like it's underrated. Uh, colors, gents, quite interesting because it's Ooh. the scope here is ridiculously large. Well, I I stuck. I didn't go PTS because that's just massive, isn't it? Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the actual color color choice is quite limited when you when you haven't got that PTS um, available. But the one that really sticks out to me is carmine red. I think that's yeah. a genius color. Um, you know, it took guards, which was maybe a bit too bright, and doled it down a little, you know, blackened it a bit. And it's a lovely color in my eyes. I, I really yeah. like it. Yeah. I, I agree. It is a lovely color. It's very difficult to photograph it. it um, in terms of uh, our photographers have struggled over the years with a magazine to get consistency Red's because it changes difficult. so much in the light. But, um, you know, again, that that is part of the appeal, I think, of the colour is it's it's quite interchangeable. And, mm. yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a lovely colour. I think it gives a lot of flair without coming across as ostentatious. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of a bright colour without being bright. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah, some it way, is. Yeah. yeah. It's just doled it's, down a right amount. Yeah definitely it's a real real masterstroke of a color for that yeah. uh, that that was mine that was my candidate uh, but in the end i switched it up for gold and yellow metallic which was the um 901.2 turbo s exclusive edition ah, color yeah and oh, yeah. then porsche wheeled it out for project gold the 903 yeah. turbo which in 2018 yeah. it uh it made i just think it's a really cool color it's it's got a lot of depth to it. I mean, it's gold and yellow. In in some lights, it's it's gold, and in in others, it's this real kind of bright yellow. I think there's a real nice, gorgeous depth to it. I feel like I can get lost in that shade when I look at a car in that. Yeah. So, so it's really cool for me. Yeah, that's a good choice. I've um I've gone for a color that I'm not exactly sure what, exactly what it's called, and that's not for <laughs> want of trying because I have done extensive research to try and find out what it's called. But Come on, so I'm, let's I'm see if we can. It, I'm going to call it the dark grey because that's as much as I've seen it. <laughs> Ray, maybe, maybe in um, may, may, maybe in German it makes more sense. But it's the the dark grey of the 50th anniversary, the 50 R. Oh yes, so the the McQueen slate grey style grey that that car came in. Um, you know, last time I saw one, I was with Mandy at Cameron Sports Cars, and it, and it and it. Considering it's dark grey, Lee, it jumped out at Mandy, or the car did overall. She was like, that is lovely. It's got an almost um, cream tinge to it, isn't it? Uh, no, Would Geyser, it right Geyser has the cream. That's the lighter, oh, okay. that's the lighter yeah. car, which Tony says you ought to have your 50 Yara in. If you get one, you should have I, I do Geyser agree. Grey. I do um, agree. I take his point. Um, but the, the McQueen uh, echoing got uh, sort of slate grey type one, which is... I've only ever seen described, even in Porsche press material, as a dark grey. Um, I, I I love him. I love him in that colour. So I've gone for that. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what colour that was. It's not grey black, is it? No, it's not as dark as grey black. Okay. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I'm. I'm not sure. I. I thought it because I've. I always uh, erroneously called it a gate grey, and you. You quite rightly put me right on that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a metallic, and yeah, it's a flat. Yeah. Yeah, but it's okay. almost like a it's like a flat a gate. Um, yeah, and, it, and it's not slate 
because I think they would have called it slate if it was if it was agreed. Slate. Yeah, and there agreed. are and there are already two slates as well, which is confusing enough in itself. <laughs> so um, uh, undoubtedly, it will have a code. We need we need Mister PTS. We do we do need Will. Yeah, yeah. Paging yeah. Will Lee. We need yeah, to yeah. talk us through educate Dark of the nine nine one fiftieth anniversary, please. I'll send yeah. you a message. Yeah, for for a grey, it's a, it's a nice colour. It's a nice choice, Max. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it is. Yeah, yeah. Stand by that. Um, Damning with we're... faint praise. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm actually sitting there in his grey t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, right. Uh, we'll finish with our collective icon for the era, which I mean, I think is is possibly an obvious choice at this stage. It's Mr. Andrus Preuninger. Mr. GT3 is as well known as created uh, an infallible legacy, really, with the explosion in popularity of, of the GT3 and, and also the uh, performance boundaries and capabilities where he and his team have taken the GT3 over the last decade has just been astounding, really. So um, where everyone else in the industry is heading towards, if not hybridization and full electrification, we're very lucky that we've still got somebody that believes so strongly in uh, the internal combustion engine that's aspirated naturally. And we've got these high revving, highly emotive sports cars still being pumped out in 2023 is, is absolutely phenomenal. So it's a, it's a thank you more than anything. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Mr. AP. Yeah. 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 Agree with that one. And yeah, to not just be chasing horsepower is really sort of, you know, taken that, it doesn't matter about the horsepower it's the experience isn't it yeah he's chasing so. emotion and experience yeah yeah emotion yeah. And, and engagement you know i think yeah. where where the 992 for me and because you you hit the nail on head earlier max you know the 992 is a real quantum leap forward in terms of refinement um but for me i'm not looking for refinement in my 911 experience i'm looking for engagement that's my that's my uh -huh. core yeah core desire and so the 992 steps away for that for me however i feel like with the cars that kind of falls under ap's jurisdiction i feel like engagement is still that core so mm -hmm. in terms of my interest that's where i'm naturally going with that generation yeah so, makes sense brands chaps grand well look that that's our complete and utter synopsis of 60 years of the porsche 911 we say happy birthday to to the car and to those that have helped shape its history, which includes everyone listening to this, really, because in all of us indulging in the car as well as driving it, it keeps uh, it keeps the years ticking on. Indeed. So, uh, yeah, thanks for your input, gents. That was that was really good fun to dive through the six decades on that and to have some really cool answers come up to the questions. Yeah, really I think it's good. Nice Pop work. Should we um, should we leave our normal things this week? Because I think we've got plenty in the bag already. Yes, yeah, we're we're partied out, aren't we? At this stage, we've had too I much birthday so. cake, and I'm sure yeah. the, the listeners have <laughs> as well. So, uh, yeah, thanks very much for listening to So Much Radio. We'll be back soon with amazing guests and more top content for you to enjoy. See you soon. See you soon. This episode was brought to you by our very kind Driven Not Hidden Collective. If you would like to join the collective to get further access and rewards within the Nineworks community, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash Nineworks. You can also support us by leaving a five-star review on your favorite podcast app.